How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today, we're going to kind of switch things up a little bit, and uh, we're going to be talking about false teachers, false prophets, deceitful workers, damnable heretics, as the Bible calls them. And we're going to see what does the Bible state about some of these things. Now, there's a lot of differing opinions and views and feelings and interpretations regarding all of this. Um, you, you got uh, the, the general overall banner works-based individuals, works-based salvationists, works-based religions, and then you got cults and sects and all kinds of... So, but what does the Bible say? It says there's uh, there's uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as it says, and another gospel, which is not another because there's only one true gospel of one true Lord Jesus. There's another gospel. We take a look, for example, in... Uh, Galatians. Let's take your Bibles. We're diving right into it. I said to, you, said to you in the comments, bring your Bibles. We're going to be getting busy here. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1 verses uh, 8 to 9. Galatians 1 8 to 9. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's anathema maranatha, meaning an official consigning to damnation. That's what God thinks of it. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now, with that, though, we have to take a look. What does it mean, another gospel? Because you see many different other belief systems that say Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, he was buried, rose again. And they say Jesus is Lord and say, well, that's not another gospel. Okay, well, what would define another gospel? By taking... The specifics, now we went over this yesterday in great, great detail. The gospel of salvation according to scripture. We went to great, great detail in that. Um, now, that's the details of, of salvation, of, of the person of Jesus Christ and what saves you and save from what. We went in great detail about what is the gospel of salvation according to scripture. Another gospel would, would be taking that what the bible says and changing any of the details any of the specifics any of the things making that up uh, from the person of jesus christ to what happened on the cross to the re changing the resurrection changing the burial changing the blood the, the blood changing uh, uh the the grace changing faith change changing any aspect of this any of the aspects that are salvationary changing them in any way shape or form would then be creating another gospel which is a curse of god Therefore, 
as we see in Revelation 22, where it sa says that the curse of God is upon anybody who adds or subtracts from the scriptures, even so much the more upon anybody who would change any of the specifics, any of the details of the gospel of salvation. We're going to be taking a look at some of these. And I know some people have gone right off the deep end attacking me whenever I talk about some of these things. I have had death threats. I have had all kinds of curses and vulgarities and threatenings hurled at me. Um, I Yes, like I said, I've received many death threats from people for talking about some of this stuff. I've been called every name un under the sun. I've been called the Antichrist. I've been called the false prophet. I've been called a false prophet. I've been called a demon, a devil. I've been called an Anunnaki reptilian alien demon thing. I've been called everything. Now, who cares about any of that? That doesn't matter. And what I say to people in return is, okay, bring your Bible. I want you to use your Bible. Show me from the Bible without contradicting any other point of scripture. I'm going to show this to you. This might be the most amazing data picture you see in a lifetime. It shows 63,779 cross-references in the Bible. The white bars along the bottom represent each Bible chapter, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. The lines color shows the references distance from the other. A cross-reference is a scripture that references another scripture. Had the Bible been written by one person or at one time, this would still be amazing. However, the Bible was written by 40 authors over the span of 1,500 years from three different continents, the Bible is complex, diverse, and intricate, and yet it has one unified message. God lovingly is redeeming all who believe. Now, take a look at this. This is just... A, let's see if I can get this lined up. There we go. There you go. Check, check that out. Six, over 63,000 cross-references. When you use the Bible with the Bible, only the Bible and nothing else, using only the Word of God to test and check everything. So, what I tell people is, if you disagree with me, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. And show me from the Word of God how I'm wrong. So, I don't want to hear, well, I think, I just believe, I, I think, my opinion, my interpretation, my truth, I don't want to hear any of that. I don't want to hear commentary, catechism, creed, counsel. I don't want to hear any other book, any other source, any other person, any other feeling, any other thing. I want to hear book, chapter, verse of scripture and scripture alone. Show me how I'm wrong. Okay? Now, we're going to take a look at this. But firstly, we need to see what Jesus says. Now, take your Bible, please, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now, I mentioned this yesterday, and I've talked about this before. People bring up uh, the passage, it says, All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, there's only one Lord to call upon, right? And everybody who believes in Jesus will be saved, right? Wrong. What did Jesus say? Matthew 24, verses 5 and 11. But verse 5, what did Jesus say? 
Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Like I talked about yesterday, like I've talked about many times, there are many different Jesuses, many different Christs. There are crazy, pathological, insane, rubber-roomed, I-love-me-jacketed uh, uh, individuals who believe themselves to be Jesus Christ. But this is more than that, is that there will be many, that many different Jesuses of different religions and belief systems. Like the Mormon Jesus, the Jehovah's Witness Jesus, like the Islam Jesus. There are many different Jesus. These, these Christs are not the Christ of Scripture. The Jesus of Scripture is God, manifested in the flesh, who saves by grace through faith by belief alone. If your Jesus needs your help in any way, shape, or form, even remotely, in the slightest little bit, you got to help him in any way, shape, or form. You got to do some work, righteous work, law keeping, commandment keeping, in addition to believing to be saved, then your Jesus is a false Jesus. If your Jesus is not God Almighty manifest in the flesh, your Jesus is a devil and not God. Jesus said, many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And then we see in verse 11, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Now, what constitutes a false prophet? What constitutes a false prophet? And Jesus talks about this. Well, we go back in the Old Testament. We see when God is giving the law and telling all this and telling about the people who say, say they come in the name of the Lord, but I have not sent them and they give prophecies and it does not come to pass. They're a false prophet. So by definition, according to scripture, a false prophet is one who proclaims a truth that fails to hold water, that has no validity, no justification, doesn't come to pass is not true, cannot be verified, cannot be uh, lined up with scripture, that's a false prophet. So teaching doctrines that contradict the word of God. Someone who teaches, not just a person who says, well, I think this, and it's just their feeling or whatever, but when they're saying a thing as doctrine, theology, like Jesus says, you teach for doctrines, the traditions of men, you teach it as doctrine as absolute truth and it contradicts the word of god that's a false teaching that's a false prophet it's a false teacher it's a false teacher so how do we double check everything how can we make sure that the individuals we're listening to are lined up according to the word of god well we want to hear scripture we want to hear book chapter verse but even more than that because well like i said mormons Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, Seventh-day Adventists use Bible. They quote scripture. Goodness sakes, even Lucifer used scripture in Matthew chapter 4 in the temptation of the wilderness. He used Psalm 91. So how can we know if they're false teachers or not if they're even using scripture? Acts 17, 11. To be as the Bereans. You take everything that is said, come back to the word of God, Search the scriptures, plural. Remember, we took a look at this. We cross-reference the Bible with the Bible 
and make sure that everything that is being said lines up. If there's uh, any confusion, contradiction, um, mis uh, misunderstanding, it just, it just doesn't seem to work, you're getting frustrated with this, then we got a bit of a problem. Set aside what was said, and you cannot accept it as true. You have to throw it out the window. If it does not line up with the Word of God, throw it out the window. It's nonsense. You don't accept it. Now, if we go back to the very beginning of time, and we take a look at what Lucifer said, what did that that snake, that serpent, that dragon, that liar, that deceiver, that enemy of God, what did he say to Eve in the garden? Now, FYI, it was not a talking snake. <laughs> I did a video on that a little while ago. It was not a talking snake. Like so many people think, it was not a talking snake. It was Lucifer himself in the appearance uh, as the uh, angel of God, as a cherubim, the anointed cherub. He appeared in the garden as Lucifer, the anointed cherub, in that appearance, working like a snake, like the dragon, to deceive Eve. It wasn't a talking snake. Anyways, what did he tell Eve? What did he say? Those those infamous infamous words, which is the which sets the precedent for all false religions, all false gospels, all false teachers, all false Christs, for for every single other belief belief system and structure in the whole world. It set the precedent for. What did what did he say? You can be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. You can know the difference. You can know the difference. You don't need God. You can know the difference between good and evil. You can be as God. You, you have the wisdom, the knowledge, the ability to determine truth. You can determine truth. Ooh, that kind of goes a bit more than just the religions are talking about today that kind of goes off into society's issues that are going on nowadays but we're not going down that road we're going to stay on the whole religions thing now i also need to put in a clarifier here i am not bashing people i am not hating upon people i don't hate people i am not hating on anything i'm just stating facts in this one this is all i'm doing is i'm comparing belief systems saying look this is their doctrines, their beliefs, this is what they say, this is what the Bible says. This is what they believe about Jesus, this is what the Bible says. That's all I'm doing. I'm not bashing, I'm not hating, I'm not promoting hate or any of that kind of thing. I'm not telling you, you can't go do, be, have, identify, believe whatever you want. You can go do, believe, identify whatever you want. That's your choice. I'm just saying, look, this is what the Bible says and to inform you i'm informing you what the scriptures say and what god says in the word of god and if you don't agree that's your choice that's your liberty that's your freedom you can go do have be whatever you want i don't care um i'm not saying you can't and i'm not bashing you i'm just saying look this is what it is all right good enough freedom of religion this is my beliefs and i'm comparing beliefs with other beliefs to see okay what what does everybody believe now if we continue on in this line we see in romans chapter 16 please grab your bibles and turn to romans chapter 16 and we take a look in verse 17 romans chapter 16 verse 17 
Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. What does that mean? To make it clear and known, it's it's like painting a line or putting a sign or, or, or putting the neon flashing thing. A, a clear public warning. A clear public warning. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them have nothing to do with them for they that are such that are contrary to the doctrine that are offensive to the doctrine of the bible for they that are such serve not our lord jesus christ see what he says there they're serving a different jesus christ a different jesus someone who's come in the name of christ saying they are christ and are deceiving people see that they serve not our lord jesus christ but their own belly a jesus of their own being of their own creation but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches they may sound orthodox they may sound biblical they may sound right but and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple they're deceivers liars damnable heretics as the bible calls them then we take a look at another one here in second john see first second third john jude revelation so in second john second john verses 10 and 11 if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine the doctrine of scripture as is taught by christ taught by the apostles in scripture then he come unto you and bring not this doctrine receive him not into your house neither bid him godspeed for he that biddeth him godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds you can't even bless them you can't bless them you can't even bid them good day you have nothing to do with them a complete mark and avoid it's what the bible says people say well that's harsh that's strict i don't agree with that so you're not agreeing with what the bible says what god says you think yourself better than god you can know the difference between good and evil huh you see how easy it is to create a cult all you gotta do is go by your feelings that's all you gotta do then we go over to titus chapter three let's go over to titus chapter three titus first and second timothy titus chapter three and we want verses nine to eleven but avoid foolish questions stupid questions stupid questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law like the law keepers strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and vain a man that is an heretic whoa we just switched gears here um now the bible as we we're talking about those that are in in contradiction to the doctrines which ye have learned those that are in contradiction are what the bible calls heretics a heretic is someone who is promoting heresy heresy is that which is uh teachings doctrines theologies which are contradictory to what the bible flat out says 
So if you're preaching something that contradicts scripture, that's heresy by definition. And if you hold to that heresy, if you are holding to that heresy, it doesn't, even, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're holding to heresy, you are by definition a heretic. Okay? A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, you've gone to them, you're trying to teach them, you're trying to tell them, and they won't listen, won't listen. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. Put them out, mark, and avoid. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Because he has no conviction. No conviction. And he's going against the teachings of the Spirit of God. And he has no conviction about this. And he's going off in, in, uh, in wrong veins. They're in serious danger. Serious, serious danger. Now if we take a look at... 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we want verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who's the they? The people. The people. As the Bible says, the deceiving the hearts of the simple. These are individuals who don't study. They don't apply it to themselves. They're just pew warmers. They're just religious sponges who do no, none of the work. They don't search the scriptures. They don't apply it to themselves. They, they don't seek out the knowledge of God. They just sit there and just soak in everything they're told and go and regurgitate as a religious parrot. And that's, that's all they are. And they are easily deceived because they don't search it out and study it themselves. And the time will come they will not endure sound doctrine. Because they get bored with it. They need something to excite them. They need something more. They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, because they're longing for something else. So you can think of like the Joel Osteenites, the Kenneth Copelandites, the Joyce Meyerites. It, you see all the prosperity gospel people, the hyper charismatic people. It's all about their feelings, like the Hillsong churches, that kind of thing. They cannot endure sound doctrine, but their own lusts, as the Bible says, the lusts of the flesh are this the lust of the flesh they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth sound doctrine turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables made up stupid stories made up heresies made up teachings okay now like i said it all kind of starts with what the uh what the devil said to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Ye shall be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. You can be as God. Now, I've thought about, okay, where can we go with this? There's so many different belief systems, so many sects and divisions and doctrines and crazy stuff out there. So I've just kind of compiled a few that are the the most common ones that I per. Uh, personally deal with um and i was figuring out okay where can i start and i thought well why not start with that with with the with the serpent in the garden now 
a few years ago, I did a video. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> a few years ago, I did a video talking about a uh, infamous preacher named William Branham. I'll tell you, I received so much flack on that video. So many people hated on me for that one, as I exposed him as an absolute liar and a Luciferian. I proved it. And so many people came down on me. I actually had to uh, disable the uh, the ratings counter on the video because I had received so many downvotes. Uh, these people got so mad at me. They actually were going and downvoting all of my videos. Like tons of them just downvoted because they hated me so much because I called him a false prophet, uh, teacher of false doctrines, and he's a blasphemer and a heretic. And he's teaching actual Satanism as well. Uh, people uphold him as a great mighty prophet of God and, and everything else. Now, one of the... the uh, well, actually, there's two things specifically. But the, the one main thing that they were coming at me about was that was because I said that William Branham was infamous for preaching that Jesus is not God. And they came down on me like crazy. So uh, he absolutely did preach that. He did not deny that. He preached that Jesus was God. No, he didn't. No, he did not. But the sheer amount of people coming against me on that actually got me wondering, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I, I goofed up or something. Uh, maybe I looked at something wrong. And so I went and researched it and I found, nope. I was right. Now, what what William Branham did is he he actually um, there is a uh, one second. Oh, my notes didn't sync. Uh, he went and he was preaching actually on uh, it was a mi mix of dynamic monarch monarch monarchia. Monarchianism and modalistic monarchianism. Now, whenever you hear these kinds of terms and stuff, I, I hate these terms. They make up these fancy words or whatever to define these doctrines. I hate, I can't pronounce them. <laughs> I'm a country boy and I struggle to pronounce regular words. So when we take a look at this, but what he, what he preached was uh, he says that Jesus, Jesus is not God but God was in him. Jesus wasn't God, but God was in him. William Branham taught that, that the spirit of God, that Jesus was just the anointed one created by God to be used by God, but he, but he did not have God in him until the baptism of the river Jordan, where, where, you know, the dove came upon him and William Branham taught that that's when Jesus became became really the Christ and where God indwelt Jesus at the baptism in the river Jordan. No, that's blasphemy. That's heresy. That is a false doctrine. And William Branham uh, also says that the spirit of God left Jesus 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is not God, but the Spirit of God was in him. And the Spirit of God left him in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, when, when, G, when Jesus was uh, struggling uh, and praying about, you know, what was to come. Not, not struggling, sorry, wrong words. I was thinking about his praying and sweat and all this, this, this great heaviness that was upon him. That's what I mean by that. So please don't misunderstand me. Um, is that the, the praying and the, and the heaviness on him about what is to come. If, if it is possible that this cup pass from me, no, no, nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. And William Branham says at that point, that's when the spirit of God left him. Now, William Branham uh, says, uh, uh, said that the church has made a great mistake in making Jesus equal to God. That's the words of William Branham. Now, I took the link that has uh, this link, I'm reading off, off a webpage, of all quotes and teachings of William Branham and combining it to, and this is what Branham says, this is what the Bible says. This is what Branham says, what the Bible says. And I put that link in the videos in the description of the videos on William Branham and the Serpent Seed Theology, which we'll talk about next. Now, we talked about this in great detail yesterday, about the identity of Jesus, what Jesus says, and what the prophecies are about the child-born son given. The child, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. What does it say? The child-born, the child, the child-born son given is called the mighty god micah the prophet micah chapter 5 verse 2 who is born in bethlehem the one whose ways are of old even of everlasting the almighty god would be born in bethlehem that's what it says the body of jesus is the body of god god's own body god's own body William Branham denies the deity of Jesus. He says, Jesus is not God. That is blasphemy. That is heresy. That is a false gospel. He is a heretic. And people who believe his gospel will go to hell. That's what scripture teaches. William Branham is wrong. He's off. He's mixed up. He, and unfortunately, he died in his sins. He died believing in his false gospel. Now, William Branham was also quite a character in other ways. William Branham, when he was young, since he was seven years old, he was hearing voices. He was hearing voices and, 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 uh, uh, People, uh, creatures were talking to him and when he was older he was commissioned by an angel an angel came to him and told him uh, his doctrines told him what to what to believe what to, to what to teach and William Branham believed himself to be a prophet of the end of days and that he was commissioned by God he famously it was sorry infamously denied the deity of Jesus and preached against the deity of Jesus and he's what he's most famous for without going into great detail about him what he's most famous for is his preaching of the serpent seed theology now the serpent seed theology is extremely disgusting graphic and immoral uh, uh, 
can uh, su suffice to say that his teaching is the belief that Eve had sexual relations with the snake in the Garden of Eden and created a line of serpent seed people. And uh, that and that uh, that was the sin. That was the great sin. Not that they ate the fruit, but that Eve had sexual relations with the serpent, and that Cain was the offspring of that union, and that is why Cain killed Abel. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter three, verses one to seven, that the sin was because they ate of the forbidden tree, not because Eve had relations with the snake. And we see in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, flat out says that Cain is the son of Adam and Eve. Cain is not the offspring of, the, of Satan and Eve. So his whole doctrines, his whole teachings are completely out the window. He's a completely messed up clown. And anyone who believes in his doctrines is a heretic by definition. So... With that, we could then say William Branham is a false prophet. He's a false prophet. He's deceiving the hearts of the simple. William Branham is preaching a false Christ, claiming another Christ, and is deceiving people with a false gospel. He's dangerous, and he should be marked and avoided. Now, all we need to use is the Bible. Now, people can say whatever they want. They can argue all they want. They say, you don't know what you're talking about and all this. Okay, show me from the word of God how I'm wrong. Go and take his teachings from his videos of his sources and take a look at what he says. He flat out says multiple, multiple, multiple times. He's infamous in saying Jesus is not God, but that the spirit of God was in him. And it wasn't in him until he got baptized and the Spirit of God left him in the Garden of Eden. Not the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane, the, the Spirit of God left him. So that's William Branham, false prophet. Now you'll note something quite interesting with a lot of this, that, um, that an angel comes and tells people things. Like, for example, if we take a look at another one, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. What happened? An angel came to him, told him doctrines, deceived Joseph Smith into believing these doctrines, denying the deity of Jesus Christ outright, making Jesus something else other than what the Bible says. Mormon doctrines teach that Jesus and Satan are equal spirit brothers, born out of God having endless celestial sex with goddesses, and or there are certain sects within Mormonism that also teaches that Jesus is bipolar, that, that Satan is just Jesus's alter ego. Jesus has a bad side. That Jesus uh, can be the son of God, or he can be angry and evil like Satan. He is bipolar. Mormonism actually teaches that. There's a set. There's a, a certain sect of Mormonism that says that. Um, that is unbelievably grotesquely blasphemous and heretical. It's insane. Um, they deny that Jesus Christ is Almighty God. They say he's just one of the many gods of the universe, and that you can become a god too, equal to Jesus equal to Jesus that Jesus married 
goddesses. Jesus is married to goddesses and has children. And Mormonism also says the Garden of Eden is in Missouri. <laughs> Mormonism also originally, when it was first founded, uh, up until 1978, Mormonism was exceptionally racist. <laughs> Uh, Mormon, and I'm not just saying that like how the leftists and all of them use that term. I'm using it in the original sense. Mormonism taught right up until 1978, taught that the uh, black people could not go to heaven. The reason that their skin was black was because when in the great rebellion in heaven, that when Lucifer was kicked out and all of his, his angels aside with him were kicked out, they fell to the ground. As they were falling, they turned black because of all their sin and evil. And you know where the devils are because they're in the black people. That's what Joseph Smith taught. And that is what the original doctrines of Mormonism teaches. That if you have colored skin, you cannot go to heaven. Up until 1978, and they, they, they kind of stopped teaching that one because that was a problem. Just a little bit, right? Yeah. Mormonism is disgusting. Now, Mormonism says you must wear your special magic linen underwear uh, up until you die or you can't have your own planet. Uh, Mormonism says there are many gods throughout the universe. You can become a god of your own planet. And that Mormon women will be eternally giving birth to spirit babies to populate the planets. Joseph Smith practiced witchcraft, was arrested in 1826 for crystal ball gazing, was caught practicing necromancy in cemeteries. He contacted the spirits of dead relatives. He used stone scrying witchcraft to conjure and contact angels and spirits to teach him Mormonism. And an angel named Moroni appeared and taught him about the duality that Satan and God are equal, they're just opposites, but they're equal in power, they're just opposites, the inversion of the Trinity, that good and bad are equal powers, and that Satan is just misunderstood. Joseph Smith died in a gun battle with police on charges of murder, kidnapping, rape, and polygamy. He also was an adulterer, a liar, a witch, and a teacher of Luciferianism. That's Mormonism. But they're not going to tell you that. And we took a look at yesterday what the Bible says about Jesus. What is who says who Jesus is, what salvation is, what righteousness is, what sin is. And Mormonism is an extremely disgusting cult of blasphemy and heresy, inverting the Godhead, stripping the sovereignty away from Jesus Christ, making you equal to God that you can be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. That's Mormonism. We take a look at another one. The Jehovah's Witnesses are quite an interesting cult. The, these, these individuals, and I do not have problems saying that Jehovah's Witnesses are practiced pathological liars. And I say that in all sincerity. They will, they, they without any remorse, any conviction, not a problem, will look you square in the eyes and boldface lie to you. They will deny vehemently their own beliefs to deceive you. 
Well, this well, their beliefs are written on, down on paper, doctrinal statement, statement of faith. This is what they believe, and they hold to that absolutely with all of their heart. But they'll deny it just to just to try to prove you wrong. Now, this cult of Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not witnesses of Jehovah, they're witnesses of their father, the devil, was created, this religion was created by a fellow named Charles Taze Russell. Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witness religion, was the founder and creator of the Watchtower Society in 1879, he died in 1916, was conv convicted on fraud and libel in court of law, he concocted huge lying schemes of world travel to boost his reputation. He was caught in the lie. Charles Russell was convicted of lying in court of law, taken to court by Baptist pastor J.J. Ross in 1913, proving Charles Russell was not a theologian or scholar, had no education on dead languages or biblical accreditation. Charles Russell neither knew Greek or Latin or Hebrew even after saying in court under oath that he did. He had never taken a course in philosophy or theology. He was never ordained by any clergy, even though he said he was. He said his wife never did divorce him and that the court never ruled him to give alimony, which was proven false. The opposite was proven true in court. Thusly, Charles Russell was proved to be a premeditated perjurer and liar in court with no scruples of lying under oath and whose doctrines were based on no sound education or knowledge. Afterwards, he played the victim card whenever cornered and he would hide behind the veil of a martyr. He would play the murder card. He was titled a menace, a societal menace by the majority of churches in Canada and was consequently deported from Canada due to his hindrance of the mobilization for World War I. He was, he was opposed to governments, their laws, and the war. So you can see where this is going. Now, who is a who's a liar? Who is the father of lies? Charles Taze Russell was was uh, convicted as a as a premeditated pathological liar and perjurer in court. <laughs> These are his beliefs. Now, one of the main things that we see in the Jehovah's Witnesses cult, they say and teach that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Now, we went over this in great detail yesterday, seeing, according to the Bible, who is Jesus? What did Jesus say? What did the prophets say? What did Jesus say? What did he teach? What did he prove? What did he do? And we saw how now by it's just undeniable, absolutely proven, absolute, according to the word of God, Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. He took on him not the nature of angels, but of the seed of Abraham. He is not an angel. And by the way, that verse, he took not on him the nature of angels, but of the seed of Abraham. That verse is omitted in the Jehovah's Witness Bible, FYI. And we see in the book of Jude where Michael the archangel is even less powerful than the devil. So you got a bit of a problem. If your Jesus is less powerful than Satan, you kind of got a problem. But aside of that, Jehovah's Witnesses also say that Jesus Christ returned to the earth in 1914. But not in physical form. He was invisible. 
So how did they know? The scripture says that no man knows the day nor the hour. But the Jehovah's Witnesses Watchtower Society has predicted the arrival, the second coming of Christ, a number of times. Proving themselves to be false prophets by definition according to scripture. They also have in the Jehovah's Witness cult, now you're not supposed to know this. Only certain individuals within the Jehovah's Witness religion uh, who, are, who are seen and proven to be dependable and trustworthy in Jehovah's Witness religion that uh, other people are not supposed to know about this special event that Jehovah's Witnesses do and they will lie to your face denying it. They will deny it vehemently. But the Jehovah's Witnesses have a special event that they do from time to time when the Watchtower Society predicts the second coming of Christ. What they do is they, they all gather together Certain ones of them would gather together out in fields, out in the out in the country, away from society, and they will have what's called a scream at the sky event, where they believe that when they all gather together and at, at the set, a, a set agreed time, they all start screaming at the sky because they believe that will hurry up Jesus. And they've done this a few times. Um, and Jesus still hasn't come yet. They believe that in John chapter 1, it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. The Word, which is God, that became flesh and dwelt among us. They believe that the Word, those, those two, the Word in John 1, 1 and 14, is a God. That the Word is a God. Not the Word is God, but the Word is a God. They put the word, a, the little letter A in there. The word is a God, that the beginning of the, which is the beginning of the creation of Jehovah. Misunderstanding the Hebrew and Greek of the word Elohim and denying Isaiah 45 verses 5 to 6, which says there's no other God beside me, they say there are other gods. That Jesus is a God. They teach that Satan brought sin into the world in the Garden of Eden. But according to the Bible in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, it says sin came into the world by Adam's transgression. Adam's transgression. Not Satan's transgression. Sin came into the world by Adam's transgression. They say no, it came into the world by Satan. Now Jehovah's Witnesses, one of the main, main things that are their big issue that was started by Charles Taze Russell in the in the creation of all of this is they absolutely hate they absolutely detest the doctrine of hell they deny hell exists no you no it doesn't it doesn't exist that when you die you're dead as a dog you just someone switched the light up pulled the plug you just cease to exist you just go into nihilism nothingness you just cease to exist unless someone in your house if someone in your family is a jehovah's witness god will have mercy on the rest of the family a, a partial mercy that when they die they won't cease to exist they'll just kind of go into in uh, go into this nebulous waiting period where until the millennial reign of jesus uh, you will be resurrected for a thousand years 
and then you'll cease to exist after the thousand years. Where they get that, I have no idea. I have no idea where that comes from. That makes absolutely no sense. They made that one up. But they teach that. They believe hell is just the grave. Which I like to troll Jehovah's Witnesses with that one. I say, I ask them, so, um, okay, you know who Charles Taze Russell is, right? He was the founder of your religion. They're like, well, yeah, yeah, we know who Charles Russell is. I'm like, okay, what did you do with him when he died? What do you mean? When he died, what did you do with his body? He was buried. Oh, so you put him in hell. So Charles Russell in, is in hell. If, if hell is just a grave, then Charles Russell is in hell. <laughs> they don't like that. They believe hell is just the grave and that hell mentioned in the Bible is metaphorical and doesn't exist. Also known as the annihilation doctrine. The annihilation doctrine. They believe that you just cease to exist. That you just cease to exist. Denying the doctrine of Jesus in the Gospels regarding hell and the mentions in Revelations where hell is brought up and they are judged out of the books and cast in the lake of fire. They say that doesn't exist. It's all metaphorical. Jehovah's Witnesses say that souls are mortal. Souls are mortal and can be destroyed. And animals have souls, but mankind is special. Denying the eternal damnation and eternal life is mentioned in scripture. Eternal means having a beginning and exists forever. They, they don't believe that. They believe souls are mortal. And Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Christ is a created being. Christ is the spirit of the anointed one, the prophesied one. The, uh, the Christ is the spirit of the mighty God, everlasting father. And Isaiah 9, 6, the one whose ways have been of old, even of everlasting. Micah 5, 2. But they say, no, Christ is a created being. Michael, the archangel. They say Jesus is Michael, the archangel. Uh, no. They teach that salvation is by works. You need to maintain to earn your salvation and, and maintain to keep your salvation because you can lose your salvation as well. They say that, that the reason for this as well is the, is the more good works that you do will earn you a spot in heaven because according to the Jehovah's Witnesses, according to the Watchtower Society, according to that religion, <laughs> brace for it, According to the Jehovah's Witnesses, only 144,000 people will be allowed in heaven. And you have to earn a spot. And that if you're better than someone else who's gone on before, you can actually kick someone else out and take their place. It's a brownie point system. And it's only 140, only 144,000 tickets. you got to earn your spot in heaven. Yeah. Salvation is by works. Thusly, they deny the teaching of the word of God. That, as the Apostle Paul stated, it's not by works, not by righteous works. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And it's not by the works of the law. They deny that. They say Apostle Paul is wrong in that. They say, no, it's by works. They deny worship of Jesus Christ. That Jehovah's Witnesses, they deny worship of Jesus Christ. You are not to worship Jesus. You only worship God. They say you. they do not worship Jesus. They teach against worshiping Jesus. 
even though the Bible flat out teaches worship of Jesus Christ, that Jesus accepted worship, Jesus invited worship, and that many people worshipped him. They say, no, that worship is, that's not, that's not, that, that's not worship, like we know worship of God. They were just revering him. They, they, it's just kind of like a veneration, but they weren't worshipping him. Uh-huh. So Catholics don't worship Mary, right? They just venerate her. Do you know that when you actually go and grab a dictionary and you look up the word veneration, do you know what the word veneration means? You know what it means to venerate? By definition. Well, the Oxford dictionaries and all the others, uh, Britannica, and look at all these different ones that, that describe words and stuff. You know what the word veneration means? Worship. <laughs> And here we get into get into some weird beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses that I even cringe talking about this one because this is so bad. I have trouble talking about this one. They blaspheme the Holy Ghost outright. I mean severely, severely blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Jehovah's Witnesses, according to their doctrines of their religion, Jehovah's Witnesses say that the Holy Spirit is just an energy force, a nebulous energy force of God. And those who believe that the Holy Spirit is a person are Satanists. You're a Satanist. If you believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. That is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. The word of God is very clear. Very, very crystal clear. That when you go through the scriptures, you see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is called He, His, He, Him, He. The pronoun he, it's a person. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. The person, God. God is a spirit and his spirit, not his, not his nebulous mystic energies, his person, the spirit of God, the person of God. Is see Ephesians 3, 17, that Christ, Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ lives in the heart of every believer. But they blaspheme the Holy Ghost and say you're, it's Satanism to say that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because they say it's just a nebulous energy force. That doesn't make you cringe. I don't know what will. So, when we take a look at some of these, and there's much more, but we're not going to go into it. That's sufficient. When we take a look at what they believe and what their founder is all about and what happened there, that, that Charles Taze Russell, pathological liar, no, com, no compulsion about it, no conviction, no morality in there. He has no problems twisting truth, preaching lies and heresies and blasphemies, de denying doctrinal truths of the scriptures, saying, yes, the Bible says that, but I don't believe that. And he teaches the complete opposite of it. 
and that this religion, this is what they hold to, this is what they teach. That by definition, according to the word of God, that it's a cult of heresy and blasphemy, teaching a false Christ, false doctrines, false gospel, deceiving people. It, it, it has, its gospel is a gospel of hell. That's the Jehovah's Witnesses. And that is just some of their beliefs. Now, we take a look at another one. Now, similarly to ma many other events that we see, uh, people saying that angels come to them and teach them things. Angels come to them and teach them things. Now, this happened yet again. In November 26, 1827, there was a lady that was born named Ellen Gould White. Ellen Gould White was uh, uh, became a famous author and an american quotation marks christian pioneer along with other sabbatarian adventist leaders such as joseph bates and her husband james white she was instrumental within a small group of early adventists who formed what became known as the seventh day adventist church now i have to admit that in my earlier years, uh, that I did not know the difference. I actually believed that Seventh-day Adventists were Christians. That they were just kind of a hyper strict sect. and uh, But they were Christians because when you talk to them, they use all the right lingo. And, and when, you, when you're talking with them, you actually would struggle to find pro fault and problem with them. Sure, they would have some weird ideas whenever, and they have church on Saturday, not Sunday, because apparently going to church on Sunday is the mark of the beast. <laughs> I'm going to pause there and let that one sink in. According to Seventh-day Adventists, going to church on Sunday is the mark of the beast. Even though the Bible says the mark of the beast is an actual etching in the flesh of, of, the, of the dude's name or the number of his name in your right hand or forehead. But no, according to them, going to church on Sunday is the mark of the beast. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> now, Ellen White has claimed to receive over 2,000 visions and dreams, which she believed came from God in public. She would have some of these experiences in public, and she would have some of the experiences in private meetings throughout her life, which are witnessed by Adventist pioneers and the general public. She verbally described them and published for public consumption the content of the alleged visions. The Adventist pioneers viewed these experiences as the biblical gift of prophecy, and they called her a prophetess. She is the prophetess of the Seventh-day Adventists, upheld in, in their religion at the uh, in level like the Pope is in Catholicism. She is like the Pope in the Seventh-day Adventists. What she says is the gospel truth. Now, she had many, many different weird, wacko beliefs, but how can we know? Because we've got to take a look at the person and their personal beliefs of gospel in the person of Jesus. Now, according to Ellen White, she says that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Christ, not a problem in that way, but then we start to see some other issues. Now, she believed in baptismal regeneration. That, that you are not saved, your sins are not washed away until you get dunked in water. That you got to believe in Jesus and be baptized 
to be saved. Now, in 1840, at age 12, her family became involved with what is, was known as the Millerite movement, a certain religious sect called the Millerites. The Millerites were the followers of the teachings of William Miller, who in 1833 first shared publicly his belief that the second advent of Jesus Christ would occur in roughly the year 1843 and 1844. Occult. She attended a cult. She believed in the doctrines of uh, this weird cult. She attended William Miller's lectures and she felt guilty for her sins and was filled with terror about being eternally lost. She describes herself as spending nights in tears and prayer and being in this condition for several months. And on June 26, 1842, she was baptized by John Hobart in Casco Bay in Portland, Maine, and eagerly awaited Jesus to come again. And he didn't. In her later years, she referred to this as the happiest time of her life. Her family's involvement with Millerism caused them to be disfellowshipped by the local Methodist church. <laughs> Who knew that the Methodists would have a com doctrinal compulsion? The SDA uphold and near venerate Ellen White's theories. Ellen White is recognized by the Seventh-day Adventist church as having received the gift of prophecy. And they started a religion based off of her teachings. As she was the preacher. What does the Bible say about women being pastors and deacons? She was the founder and the preacher, the teacher of the religion. Now, it, they see her written works. At, they uphold the writings of Ellen White as a continuing an authoritative source of truth which provide for the church comfort, guidance, instruction, and correction. You know what that means? Her writings are additional scripture. Her writings are additional scripture. According to their fundamental beliefs as listed on their website, Adventist.org. She is basically the SDA Pope in this sense, in her dictating doctrine and teaching. But the Word of God, but the Word of God says about those that teach anything contrary to the Word of God are accursed of God. Let's take a look at some of the beliefs of the SDA, the Seventh Day Adventists. All right, now yes, they are a hyper strict hyper strict law keeping commandment keeping sect uh basically if you had to describe it they're trying to be good jews based uh, based off of uh, what they're about they think that that they have to be like good jews now also i'm just gonna rabbit trail here for a second if you remember the previous week when i was uh, uh talking about the individual that attacked me over my consumption of caffeine because he says that the caffeine is equal to cocaine and that if you drink coffee and tea you're no better than a drunkard and you're a curse of god that was a seventh-day adventist they so yeah they hold to strict dietary laws eating meat is forbidden and uh, and consuming uh, caffeine is forbidden so yeah 
They have unbiblical beliefs in mandatory maintenance of lifestyle. When it comes to lifestyle, Seventh-day Adventists hold to the belief that the human body is the temple of God. Well, it is. It is the temple of God and thus should be cared for properly. Well, it should be. Because of this, Seventh-day Adventists abstain from harmful, sinful substances like alcohol, tobacco, caffeine, and chocolate. <laughs> and pork. <laughs> uh, and maintain a, a vegetarian diet teaching that eating meat is wrong. Okay. What does 1 Timothy chapter 4 say about that? Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, teach, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, or to sanctify by the word of God in prayer. So abstain, teaching to abstain from meats is doctrines of devils. So yeah, uh, Acts chapter 15 and 1 Timothy chapter 4 would kind of contradict with, with their lifestyle there in certain points. Also, according to the Seventh-day Adventists, that they also have a certain amendment for abortion. You can murder babies. You can kill your child. Abortion is acceptable in the Seventh-day Adventists only when the woman's life is in danger. And in cases where pregnancy poses a serious moral dilemma, uh, you can murder your child. Uh, it's okay. I'm just going to leave that one there. Therefore, Ellen White and the SDA are preaching doctrines of devils and that which is contrary to sound doctrine. Thus, the heresy and error of the Seventh-day belief. Veganism is not wrong when in and of itself it's, it's of your own personal choice. If you just personally choose i just don't want to eat meat that's fine i just don't feel i just don't want to eat pork that's fine but saying that it's wrong to eat pork eat meat or eat things that's sin if you and your liberty you just don't want to eat it that's perfectly fine that's your liberty in christ but teaching against the eating of something and saying it's wrong that is sin and that is doctrines of devils so yeah, just FYI, if you're a vegan, vegetarian, whatever, that's perfectly fine. But the teaching, the commanding to abstain from, saying that it's wrong to eat the other, that's sin. Okay? Because God has specifically blessed those things, and now you're condemning what God has blessed and cleansed. Yeah. So the SDA is a cult of works and law-keeping, no different than the Judaizers that followed Paul and tried to bring the people back to law, like the, uh, like the Galatians, falling from grace, Galatians 5.4. The Seventh-day Adventist religion, cult, has severe errors on of the resurrection. Okay? Now, this is the resurrection of believers, not the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the believers. 
The SDA Seventh-day Adventists believe that when a person dies, they remain unconscious, their souls stay in their bodies and remain unconscious in the grave until the resurrection of Christ, when he resurrects the believers, in the rapture, in the gathering of the saints. Soul sleep. But the Bible says the body without the spirit is dead and absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. But they'd say, no, 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 your spirit stays in your body and you stay unconscious. It's a soul sleep and you're just in the ground sleeping and waiting until, until the gathering of the saints. No, no, you don't go to heaven or hell until, until that day. He the heresy of soul sleep. Eternal life is a gift which God only grants to those who have accepted the sacrifice of Christ on their behalf. And by an act of mercy on the part of God, the wicked will be destroyed by fire. Thus, Seventh-day Adventists do not believe that a person goes to heaven for an eternal reward or to hell for never-ending torture immediately upon death. But this is an error and is, again, teaching contrary to the word of God. Soul sleep contradicts the word of God. Plus, you also see, for example, okay, then what are you doing with the with the soul of the prophet Samuel that came up and spoke to King Saul? What about the souls of Moses and Elijah, the man of transfiguration? What about Paul? I met a man in heaven above. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. What about the, the account that Jesus told of the rich man and Lazarus? And said David, no, no, that was that was all metaphorical. Uh-huh. Okay. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. The body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. If your spirit is still in your body, you're not dead. Um... Then we see the Seventh-day Adventists also have another weird, wacko, wild belief. And this is the error and heresy of the investigative judgment doctrine. The investigative judgment doctrine of Ellen G. White. The SDA believe in... They say. They say. They, the SDA believe in salvation by faith in Christ alone. But you see... Much like other cults and other weird religious sects, what they do is they use orthodox language. They use our words, faith, grace, salvation, resurrection. They use our words. But what they do is they redefine the meaning of certain words. Kind of like how the Calvinist redefines the meaning of the word all, world, whosoever. And what they do is they take the word faith, where the Bible teaches that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing trust. They say, no, faith is works. Faith is obedience. Faith is works. So they believe in salvation by faith in Christ alone, but hold that good works are seen as evidence of that faith and that if you don't maintain works, you're not saved. that sin or failure to follow the SDA commandments is a sign of loss of salvation. The investigative 
pre-advent judgment doctrine is that which they believe which takes place in heaven before the return of Jesus. Before Jesus comes, he's going to investigate. He's going to do an investigation. Before Jesus returns, before the return of Jesus, reveals to heavenly intelligences who among the dead are asleep in Jesus and will have a part in the first resurrection and who among the living are abiding in Christ and are ready for translation. What does that mean? That Jesus will investigate, search the lives of all the people that have believed on him, and he'll investigate their lives to see if they're worthy enough to enter heaven. So the heavenly intelligences, all the angels and everybody will be assisting Jesus and in investigating you and investigating all the believers' lives to see if they're worthy enough to be raptured. Worthy enough to enter heaven. This judgment vindicates the justice of God in saving those who believe in Jesus. Therefore, this is saying that God weighs the works and evidences of the person and decides who is saved and who is not, thus works-based system. The sin salvation weigh scale. Like Roman Catholicism. Just like Roman Catholicism. The sin weigh scale. But what does the Bible say? Um, it's by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not of works. It's the gift of God, not of works. It's not by righteous works, not by law keeping. For if there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But it's not by the works of the law. It's by the faith of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so again, we see massive, massive problems here. Okay, going through, there's so much craziness. Now we see another one. This is where it gets a little goofy. This is where you start laughing and chuckling because it's just so absurd. It's just so dumb. This one is so dumb. I was, I almost gave myself a headache rolling my eyes so hard when I read this one. <laughs> the Seventh-day Adventists uh, have this weird belief on the atonement of Jesus Christ. The atonement of Jesus Christ, according to Ellen G. White, the founder of the SDA system, says <clears throat> she had a vision. Ooh, she had a vision and was shown by God that the blood atonement of Jesus Christ, when Jesus was on the cross and he shed his blood, that the Atonement of blood, the shedding of blood, was paused, not imputed yet, was delayed, that the atonement was delayed, <laughs> did not take effect until 1844. Why is that? That's when the SDA was established. <laughs> They say that the blood atonement of Jesus Christ did not take effect until 1844 when the SDA cult was established. <laughs> An attempt to legitimize their religion. But in so doing, adding to the word of God, contradicting scripture, altering the very work of Jesus Christ. 
the sheer amount of scripture that refutes this one is absolutely overwhelming. That when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, 1 John 2, 2, and he is the atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It wasn't delayed. It was immediate. It was immediate. So she attacks. She attacked the very work of Jesus Christ on the cross, stripping him of his power and sovereignty, saying that you have to help him save you. Your salvation is based upon your works and law keeping. And then she alters the very blood atonement of Jesus Christ and says, you're also not saved unless you get dunked in water. They're a crazy psycho cult. But just wait, it gets better. It gets much crazier. Now we're treading on clown world. Ellen G. White was an absolute clown of an individual. Ellen White was a necromancer. Butums. She was a necromancer. She believed that the spirits of dead saints, the spirits of dead saints, are the ministering spirits that are mentioned in the bible and that you can contact them and you that they can come and minister to you you can speak to the spirits of dead saints and what she is taking is hebrews chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 let's take a look see what in the world is she on what is she talking about now in hebrews chapter 11 Verses 13 and 14. Uh, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they, they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Uh, did I have the right passage? Oh, I'm in Hebrews 11. It's Hebrews 1. I was wondering, that's not what I'm talking about. That's why you always got to check everything. Okay, now Hebrews chapter 1, there we are. That's the passage. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Ah, uh, what's it talking about? Which of the angels? Angels. Are they not all ministering spirits? Well, we also see a cross-reference with this, with Psalms 104, verse 4. Psalms 104, verse 4. Make sure I get the right chapter. Psalms 104, verse 4. Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire. Angels, angels, not the spirits of dead saints. So she's actually, in many ways, stealing from Roman Catholicism. The, some of the teachings and practices and beliefs of Roman Catholicism and is implementing it in her own religion. Works-based law-keeping and all of this kind of stuff and veneration of dead saints. Um, necromancy. That's what she believed. So this belief in ministering spirits being the spirits of dead saints 
is actually Roman Catholic. And praying to the dead, speaking to the dead, communing with the dead, is blatantly described as necromancy in the scriptures. Praying to any other than God is idolatry, heresy, blasphemy, and doctrines of devils. Seventh-day Adventism. The religion of Seventh-day Adventism, the SDA by Ellen G. White, changing the gospel to works, changing the atonement of Jesus Christ, doctrines based on visions, speaking with the dead, prophetess is authority over and or equal to the Bible. She's nuttier than a fruitcake. All right. Now, Islam. Oh, why are you going there? Well, because we see a thread. Now, Islam, they say, goes goes back to Abraham and Ishmael. No, because Islam itself did not exist until the formation of it by the man named Muhammad. Now, Muhammad lived in the 600s A.D., and that you can actually go look at all of the records as even Muslims will attack me for this, which they do. And they say, I'm making it all up, which, which they say that they say that and they go all nuts on this. But you can actually look at all the historical documents that prove this to be the case. Muhammad was just uh, uh, when he was younger, was raised by Catholic nuns. Until he was of age. And he hated the Catholic Church, he hated the Jews, and he went out and he uh, uh, traveled around and he heard many myths and stories and lore and started compiling and creating his own beliefs. And he created his own religion based off of three of the main religions of the time. In the 600s AD, Roman Catholicism, Judaism, and Sabaean Canaanite. The Canaanite religions. He combined aspects of these three religions together and he created his religion, Islam. Now, when he was a, of a certain age as a man, he was, uh, he found a cave and he was in the cave and he was met by an angel. An angel came to him and told him doctrines and this angel gave Muhammad the ability to read and write. And taught him everything about Islam and all this in their religion. And he went around and he spread the word at first uh, peacefully and teaching and all this until he got a certain amount of power and the, and certain amount of followers. And then he started spreading his religion by the sword. Convert or die. And that is where we're at today. Now, Islam teaches your salvation is based upon keeping the law and the commandments of Muhammad and their God. And that you have to have to keep all these things and maintain yourself. Uh, unless you're a woman, no woman goes to heaven. Just if you're a really, really good, pious, devout Muslim woman, you'll still go to hell, but Satan will hardly touch you. He'll only string you up by your hair and spear you once in a while while you burn in fire just a little bit. No woman goes to heaven. Well, all the, all the men will go to heaven and get uh, all of their female slaves uh, which is kind of funny in a way because according to the earliest discovered Qurans they found a Quran that was actually written uh, dated to 70 years 
after the death of Muhammad. So the earliest written Quran that they have in their in their records says that when you die, you don't get you don't get all the virgins. Rather, you get bunches of grapes. You don't get your 70 virgins. You get 70 bunches of grapes. <clears throat> Not virgins, more virgin wine. So, yeah, there's that. But your salvation is based upon your all this, unless, according to the Quran, it teaches if you kill a Jew or a Christian, you immediately get a golden ticket to heaven. Yeah, but I'm not going to go down that road or we're going to get all kinds of problems. Now, you can attest this. You can say, okay, prove me wrong by using the Quran itself. Show me show me the passages because I've done the studies. I've read it. That's what it says. And again, I'm not hating on anything. I'm just saying, look, this is what it says. And this is what the Bible says. So... I'm just comparing religions here. I'm not bashing. I'm not saying if you want to go and believe Islam, go right ahead. That's your right. It's your liberty. I'm not saying you can't. You can go do, be, have whatever you want. All right. I'm just comparing belief systems here. That's all I'm doing. All right. Now, Islam teaches that their salvation is based upon works, based upon commandment keeping, based upon law keeping. You have to do these things to earn your salvation. What they also say about Jesus is that Jesus was just a lesser prophet. He was a lesser prophet. And that Muhammad is higher and greater than Jesus. That Jesus did not go to the cross. He was not crucified. He did not die. He was not resurrected. That did not happen. According to Islam, that's what they say emphatically. They teach that Jesus did not go to the cross, but rather their God, the Muslim's God, sp sent a great, great lie and delusion upon all the people to believe that Jesus was crucified and buried and died and all of that, and that, that it was that it was a lie by no, that was sent by their God. Uh, but what does the Bible say? Complete opposite. Jesus says, for this purpose am I come. And the prophet Isaiah flat out says that this is what was going to happen. And that Jesus fulfilled it. And it was proven. They even found, even in archaeological discoveries, they found slabs and records and everything. We see by the writings of Josephus and then by, by, the, uh, by the tablets, by Pontius Pilate. They found tons of stuff proving that Jesus, there was a man named Jesus and that he was, that he, that he was crucified and all of this. It was all proven. But nonetheless, now what's the point here is that they reduce the very person of Jesus, they deny the cross, they alter the work of Jesus Christ, and they make salvation by works. Now, according to the Islamic Quran, in the one passage in the Quran, it says, O ye Christians and Jews, we believe in the prophets like as you do. I, I always quote that one when I'm talking to Muslims because that's a great segue because with this you can show them the prophecies of uh, the Old Testament of the Christ Messiah because they say you believe in the prophets of the Old Testament you don't believe in the New Testament you believe in the Old Testament look at what it says in the Old Testament you can prove the deity of Jesus Christ the work of Christ the resurrection of Jesus Christ everything about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament so there you go so there's that. Now, I mentioned earlier that Muhammad, when he was younger, was raised by Catholic nuns. 
in the 600s AD. Let's talk about Roman Catholicism. This one is highly uh, disagreed on. There's a lot of issues with that one. Now, and yes, Olga, they, they always say that they love Jesus too. They love their Jesus. Remember, we talked about that. We established that there are multiple different Jesuses. Every other religion has their own Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible? No, they don't love the Jesus of the Bible. They love the Jesus of their religion. They love their Jesus, which is just a lesser prophet. Seventh-day Adventists love their Jesus, who needs your help. The Jehovah's Witnesses love their Jesus, which is Michael the Archangel. The, Mor the Mormons love their Jesus, which is the equal brother of uh, Satan. Let me take a look. What about Roman Catholicism? Now, the Roman Catholics... I, I have to kind of cut this one down because I could talk about Catholicism for like 12 hours, which I don't want to do. But... Uh, mm, Needless to say, Roman Catholicism, another false religion, they say that they go back, all the way back to Jesus and the Apostles. No, not quite, but they go back a long way. Now, Roman Catholicism has been around for a very, very, very long time. It was created by Constantine in the 300s AD. Roman Catholicism did not exist prior to that. Roman Catholicism was yet another created religion. As we see, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, of the Adventist, Islam, uh, all these were created. William Branham, the Brahmanites, uh, they, they, were, uh, they were created. It's a religion that was created. Roman Catholicism goes back to the 300s AD. was created by Emperor Constantine. Now, Emperor Constantine, according to the records was in a great battle, and he was losing until he had a vision. What's well, with all these visions? And he had a vision of a giant red cross, and he and that he understood that to be the Christian God and all this stuff, and, then, and this is why they use now the cross. And anyways, when he came to power as emperor of Rome, he, the Rome was quite schismatic, had a lot of problems, and he did not want to try to use force, military force, or any other that kind of thing to try to unite Rome like previous emperors had done and failed. Rather, he wanted to unite Rome via religion. So what did he do? Emperor Constantine legitimized the Christian sect that had been previously horrendously slaughtered and butchered and oppressed and persecuted. Um, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Like what happened with Nero, what Nero did to the Christians. And Constantine legitimized Christianity and what he did is he, he then took all of the religions of the Roman Empire, dumped them all in a pot with Christianity on top, mixed it all up, and pulled out his own created religion. Now, in the in the Roman Greek pantheon, they had tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of different gods. They had a god for everything. They had a god for sneezing. They had a god for theft. They had a god for traveling and journeys. God for ships. A god for markets. A god for war. A god for this. They had gods for everything. They had a god for if you lost something, you could call upon this god and that god would help you find the thing. A god of lost objects. The Greek pantheon had gods for literally everything. 
And what Constantine did is he renamed them. They were no longer gods, but saints. They have a saint for everything. A saint for sneezing. They have a saint for lost objects. A saint for traveling. A saint for ships. A saint for prisoners. They have a saint for everything. And he uh, and he created his own religion, and now they have what they do is they need to figure out what are their beliefs, what are their doctrines. So for this, he established established certain uh, uh, clergy, uh, cardinals, and all this stuff, and they gather together in certain councils: the Council of Trent, the Council of Nicaea, uh, uh, all these other councils, where they they hash it out to try to figure out what their beliefs are. Because they had a lot of different problems and a lot of different uh, ideas and what they thought of this. Because, well, they clearly don't have the spirit of God and they have no understanding of scripture. So they need to try to figure it out themselves. So the Council of Trent, the Council of Nicaea, is Roman Catholic. You hear a lot of professed Christians quote from the Council of Nicaea uh, that you might as well be quoting from the Tibetan Buddhist text because it has just as much validation. The Council of Nicaea is Roman Catholic, not Christian. Again, the, the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Trent, is Roman Catholic, not Christian. They are, uh, they are not Christians, they were Catholics. Now, Roman Catholic Church. Catholic itself, the word means universal. But when you take a look, what it means is the universal church of the Roman Empire. The Roman Catholic Church. It's the universal church of the Roman Empire. It's a universal religion. You've heard of universalism? the church of universalism and all these others that it was the universal is everyone in rome is valid via this religion everybody has a part that's why nowadays what, what we even see evidence of this where the roman catholic church when they go into a new area they don't conquer by force they conquer by assimilation like the borg from star trek they go in and they take aspects of the religion that's why in haiti you can be a practitioner of the old ways of haitian voodoo and still be a good roman catholic it's called voodoo where they were voodoo uh, they actually have an idol of mary except she's a black woman and i'm serious that's what, what they do in haiti uh, that's what the roman catholic church does they assimilate and, and and they don't change they assimilate they take aspects in and they kind of modify it to, so you still have a part in that you can still practice your ways just change some of the names and some of the things to be a bit more fitting Roman Catholicism changes the very person of Jesus Christ. They reduce his sovereignty, his, his power, and that he Jesus is not almighty sovereign Lord God, uh, 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 the Bible says, but rather he's limited because he needs his mommy. That uh, They elevated Mary. Now, how did this happen? It actually wasn't until, if I have this correctly, until the 1400s. In the 1400s, an unknown, unnamed monk, Roman Catholic monk, had a vision. He had a vision that uh, what he saw were two ladders leading up to heaven. One ladder went up and Jesus was at the top, and the other ladder had Mary at the top. Now, people were trying to climb the ladder of Jesus, but he was angry. He was angry at their sin, angry at their behavior, and he would 
shake the ladder in his rage and knock people back down to earth. But Mary, in her great compassion, would reach down and pull people up. And that's why you need to go to Mary, because Jesus is too angry. And Mary satiates Jesus. He, she calms him down. So you, that's why you need to pray via through Mary to Jesus, because you can't pray to Jesus directly because he's too angry. And they taught that. They teach that. They still teach that. They still believe that. That's in their catechism. And so that's why you need to pray to Mary, according to Roman Catholicism. And they, they, they just kind of took that and modified it, modified it, modified it, modified it, modified it. Until nowadays, you can literally talk to Orthodox Roman Catholics and they'll tell you that Mary is the this is blasphemy, that Mary is the most important part of the Godhead. I've had lots of Catholics say that one to me. Mary is the most important part of the Godhead, that she was sinless. She's the mother of God. And that, uh, that they even make statues of Mary on the cross where it's a cross on this side it's jesus on this side it's mary and they call her the co-redemptress the co-redemptress that she works with jesus in redeeming you that she redeems you saves you forgives your sins with along with jesus uh, but you also have to do it yourself this is where it doesn't make any sense. That according to the Roman Catholic Catechism, you also need to be water baptized to have your sins forgiven. And not just your sins forgiven. That when you, by a Catholic priest, get dunked in, well, not really dunked in water, they just splash you with water. That when the Catholic priest splashes you with water, you become instantaneously, completely, utterly, sinless, holy. You are completely sinless, holy by Catholic water baptism, but then you wind up sinning, and thus this is why you need the confessional. You go to the wooden box with a guy dressed as mother, wanted to be called father, you need to tell, tell him all your sins and that he somehow absolves your sins. And that you got to do all the works and the sacraments. You got to eat their magic Oreo Eucharist cookie, which forgives all your sin too. You need to call upon Mary and the saints and angels and count your beads and do all the artifact veneration. And that all, and doing all of the works and good works will reduce the amount of time that you spend in fiery purgatory atoning for your own sin. Yeah, so you eventually when you die, depending how holy you have been, there's that sin weigh scale thing again. Uh, your sin is weighed, which will then establish how much time from a thousand years to ten thousand years to a hundred thousand to a million, billion, trillion, some depends how bad you've been, uh, it will determine how much time you spend in the fires of purgatory atoning for your own sin to, until you're holy enough to enter the bliss of heaven. That isn't even scratching the surface, but I think it's kind of sufficient 
to show how what how they have reduced the power of Jesus Christ, altered the blood of Jesus Christ, altered the, the work of the cross, and elevated yourself to you saving yourself. You shall be as God, knowing the difference of good and evil. You are you atone for your own sin. What was the point of the cross then? You atone for your own sin. You are like God because you work to save yourself. Yeah, okay, now let's talk about the Orthodox. The Orthodox Church, the Orthodox denominations, where do they say? They say they go all the way back to Jesus. <laughs> no, they don't. The Orthodox Church goes back to the Roman Catholic Church in the 11th century. In the 11th century, the Roman Catholic Church had some in their in their religion that disagreed with some of their practices and stuff, and there was what was called the Great Schism. The Great Schism in the 11th century, we see a split of Roman Catholicism going this way and the Orthodox going this way. They were of the same thing from the 300s AD all the way up to the 11th century. It was Roman Catholicism until the 11th century. Then we have a split of the Orthodox. And the Orthodox Church is what is known as a kind of a nickname, Catholic Light. Same thing. Veneration of the dead, veneration of Mary, all of the sacraments and all this stuff, water baptism, uh, baptism of regeneration, uh, earning your salvation by good works, all this stuff. It's just not to the extreme like Roman Catholicism was. There's some minor differences, but if you actually were to look at them, you couldn't tell the difference. They're the same dresses, the same robes, the same candles, the same idols. They have all, all the same stuff. Um, they, and they still even do the Eucharist thing like the Catholics, that they're really really isn't that much difference between catholics and the orthodox at all and they all goes back to the same thing anyways and so the orthodox are just catholic light works-based system reduces the power of jesus changes his blood changes the work of the cross and you you basically save yourself sounds wonderful doesn't it now what does the Bible say? Now, we've established this. Who is Jesus according to the word of God? Jesus, according to scripture, is the Christ, the mighty God manifest in the flesh who does not need your help. He doesn't need your help. He, and all you bring to the table is your sin. You, you just come to the Lord with your sin and ask him to save you from your sins. He's, he does the work. He purges you clean. He washes you clean. You don't have to do anything but believe. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Let's not boast. But herein we have a bit of an issue. Because according to the Roman Catholic Church, which the Orthodox also agree with this, that the Roman Catholic Church, and even in their catechism, flat out say that grace alone salvation is anathema maranatha, accursed of God. That they actually state in their doctrinal statement that salvation by grace alone is accursed of God. They say it's heresy, blasphemy, and it's accursed of God. The teaching that you can be saved by grace alone. You mean what the Bible says? For by grace you saved through faith, they say anathema maranatha. They actually curse the gospel according to scripture. They say Jesus needs his mommy for everything. And that, and that oh, 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 and by the way, we all also have what is called in the Roman Catholic Church, 
And if I can remember the term, the, uh, the, the, the assumption of Mary, assumption of Mary. What this is, is they believe that Mary didn't even die. The Catholic Church would tell you that Mary, depending on the sect of Roman Catholicism, that she was sinless. Even though the Bible says all have sinned, all have fallen away, all have become corrupt, there's none that doeth good, no, not one, all of her righteousnesses are as filthy rags. They're like, nope, nope, Mary was sinless. And there's actually sinless people, and you can attain sinlessness too, if, if you are good enough. But they say Mary was sinless, and that she didn't even die. But rather what happened was that it came to a point where, where she ascended up on high and is seated beside God, interceding for the saints. They take the work of Jesus Christ, the mediation of Jesus Christ, the intercessory power of Jesus Christ. They take the power of Jesus Christ and give it to his mother. That Mary is the co-redemptress. She saves you. She hears your prayer. She hears the prayers of all saints. So she's all all hearing, all knowing, all powerful. She's a redeemer and she that uh, she absolves sins and she's our intercessor. Just like Jesus. Now, with this knowledge, this is from their catechism, their teachings their doctrinal statements, their statement of faith. I have personally debated Catholic priests, Catholic monks. I've debated Roman Catholic lay, uh, uh, the clergy and lay people multiple, multiple times. This is what they believe. Can you tell me they're Christians? Can you say they're Christians? Can you say that they are born again Christians? Can you honestly, honest to God, hand before God, according to the word of God, say that Roman Catholicism is Christian? Yeah. And as uh, Scott Snow is asking about the whole Fatima thing, yeah, that that's just di different versions of Mary. Different versions of Mary. She goes by different names and different sects and different uh, places around the world. She goes by different names. But yeah, it's it's uh, that's what that is. Now, it gets just overwhelming, a and it makes you wonder, how do people get like this? How, how do people say that they are Christians, go, excuse me, go to these cult churches and believe that they're biblical? Meanwhile, they're carrying Bibles in their hands. Well, see, it just it just proves the point that you can own a Bible, you can carry a Bible, you can read a Bible, you can say you believe the Bible, you could go to church and sit in the pew and hear all that. That doesn't mean you understand it. That doesn't make you a Christian. You could be the nicest, warmest, friendliest, kindest individual out there the most religious go go to church do all the charity all the good work and all the stuff and, and still go to hell 
Like Mother Teresa, for example. Mother Teresa was not a born-again Christian. She's in hell, FYI. Mother Teresa denied the gospel of salvation by grace. She believed even herself. She even said on multiple occasions she did not believe that she was saved. She was afraid she was going to go to hell. Mother Teresa stated that no, she did not believe. She did not believe in salvation by grace according to scripture. She believed in Mary and she believed in the gospel according to the Roman Catholic Church. She believed and taught and practiced a weird sect of her own mother teresa believed that salvation was wrought through personal suffering that you had to suffer on this earth you had to suffer hardships on this earth to be holy enough to enter heaven that's what she taught and believed and practiced the people won't believe you and people will go nuts. They'll get mad. They'll say you don't know what you're talking about and all the rest of it. But go look it up yourself. Everything that I have told you, go look it up yourself. Go do the research. Go do the research. And FYI, one of the best uh, resources you could use on this, an excellent resource, is a great, great book called The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. You can buy a hard copy, or you can even get uh, get the one for your e-reader, your uh, Kindle, your Kobo reader, whatever. It's it's a lot cheaper for you for the e-reader. Uh, I have a copy on my e-reader. My dad has a hard the hardcover book. Uh, it's an excellent resource. Now Walter Martin, what he went and did, great great Christian. Uh, he was a great debater, a great apologist of the Christian faith. He would go and actually sit down with multiple clergy of different religions. He sat down with Jehovah's Witnesses, sat down with Mormons, sat down with Catholics and all the rest, tons and tons and tons of different religions. And he wrote down, he asked questions and wrote down their doctrinal beliefs. This is what they believe this, this is what they believe this, this is what they say about Jesus, all the details of their religion. And then he showed you what the Bible actually says. He did a great, powerful comparison of different world religions and what the Bible says. So, and you can buy this work called The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. And, you, and if you don't even want to do that, go look up these religions and pull up their doctrinal statements. Pull up their statement of faith, the doctrinal statements, and read. This is what they believe. This is what they're taught. And then compare that what the Bible actually says. It's insane. Now, with all of this, you see Jehovah's Witnesses are not Christians. Mormons are not Christians. Muslims are not Christians. Hindus are not Christians. Catholics, not Christian. Orthodox, not Christian. See, the Brahmanites, not Christian. Seventh-day Adventists, not Christian. What about the Mennonites and the Amish? We see these sects, again, created by individuals. And what's their religion all about? Earning your way to heaven by law-keeping and commandment-keeping. Hard, strict lifestyles, mandatory lifestyles, mandatory diets, mandatory all this to earn your spot in heaven. It's not enough to just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to do something to earn your way. It's a, The salvation is a reward by good works. A reward by your being a good Jew, by being a, a, a good disciple, by maintaining fruit. Because if you don't maintain fruit, you lose your salvation or you weren't saved in the first place. So yeah. 
Now, there's another one, another weird, wacky, wild uh, religion known as the Hebrew Roots Movement. The Hebrew Roots Movement, also known as the Black Hebrew Israelites, this is a religion that was started in Africa where these individuals believe themselves to actually be the original Jews of Israel. And that, uh, that only if you are black-skinned can you go to heaven, and that all white people were created by God to be slaves of them, and that uh, it's, a, it's a religion of law-keeping, and you earn your salvation by law-keeping, and that Jesus was a, dev a devilish man, and that Jesus is boiling in a vat of feces for all eternity for going against the religious rulers, and that, uh, that the name Jesus is satanic. They got dark real fast. And they and the Black Hebrew Israelites are also some of the most vile, foul-mouthed individuals you could ever come across. They have no issues, no morality, no compulsion of cursing you out up and down, blow, uh, blasting a blue streak, uh, cursing you out with such vulgarities if you dare question them, dare go against them. They get vile fast. And uh, that's their religion because they believe that they are vindicated by this because they can do no nothing bad because they are the original Jews and they're going to heaven because of their identity. It's all about race with them. And that only they can be saved. No one else can. This, this religion was started in the early 19th century. Yeah. Now, you'll note some, some weird thread through all of these and through every other religion and Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Shintoism, the occult, everything else. Every single other belief system in the entire world is a works-based system. It's a cult of self. The cult of self. I did. I achieved. I attain. I atone. I save. Look what I did. I did this. I did that. I did this thing. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. But I did this. It's all about self. Self-elevation. Self-righteousness. Self-conceitedness. Wait a minute. You can be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil? Every single other belief system in the entire world is a works-based system of self-salvation. Born-again Christianity, according to the Bible, is the only belief system in the entire world that teaches salvation by grace alone, by faith alone, by belief alone, and the Lord God Jesus Christ alone. The only one born-again Christianity. Every single other system in the entire world is a works-based system. Think about that one just for a moment. That's incredible. Now, yeah, purely uh, vocab Malone. You should you should know if if I'm correct on him. Vocab Malone is a uh, a works-based individual who believes he you can lose your salvation. Um, but if we take a look at this, you see, many, many people turn right around and say, yeah, well, Christianity is a cult. Christianity is a cult. 
Um, okay, well, what's the difference between born again Christianity and every other every other system then? Now, if we uh, but if we take a look, Christianity, as we see in the Book of Acts, they were called Christians first at Antioch. Christians first at Antioch. Chris, uh, now, cr the word Christian means Christ follower, follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the, which Jesus? This has to be clarified. Which Jesus? The Jesus of the Bible, which is God Almighty manifested in the flesh. Now, born again Christianity, it was taught by Jesus. Now, who is Jesus? God, the God of Israel. So it's a continuation. Christianity is a continuation of the of the belief system of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that goes all the way back, the God of Adam, the God who created all things. It is the belief system of the Lord all the way down through. It's the Christianity is a continuation, not a new thing. It's a continuation. Because the prophets told about how he would come and he would establish a new covenant. And Jesus came to establish a new covenant, not a new religion. Not a new. It's not a new religion. It's the same belief of the same God. It just he. What he did is he altered the the blood atonement. But it's the same belief that, that we were always saved by grace through faith all the way down through. People teach you were saved by works and law keeping the Old Testament. That's not true. That's false doctrine. They were saved by grace through faith in the Old Testament too. It has never been by works. Is not by works and never will be by works. Some people say it goes back to law keeping in the uh, uh, during the Great Tribulation. No, that's false doctrine. That's false teaching. It stays grace alone salvation even during that time. It never was by works. Is not by works. Never will be by works. So, every other system, you can trace back to the Garden of Eden. Trace back to the Garden of Eden, where with the lie of the devil, ye can be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. You can know. You can do. You can achieve. You have power. You have power like God. You have knowledge like God. You have wisdom like God. You're a God. And then we see some crazy, wacky, wild belief systems, like in the prosperity gospel, like Kenneth Copeland, like Joyce Myers, like Joel Osteen, like uh, all of those individuals in that, in that same thread, like Paula White, Todd White, Bill Johnson, the Stephen Furtick, teaching you're a god you have abilities and power like god you can create and speak things into existence just like god you can manifest you can do you can be but what are some of the main uh doctrinal beliefs of some of these individuals like Kenneth copeland for example or joyce myers and all the rest of them like the osteens they believe that Jesus was not the son of god until he got baptized in the river jordan just like william branham said That Jesus stopped being the Son of God on the cross, just like William Branham said. That the Spirit of God left him, and that Jesus on the cross became a dark, twisted, satanic, demonic, evil, wicked uh, uh, creature monster on the cross, and that he went and burned in hell for three days to atone for our sins. Uh, that's a Copeland and Myers and Osteen and Burdick and Whites say. Yeah, we've got a bit of a problem with that one, don't we? 
And that's what they say about Jesus. You don't believe me? Go look it up. That's what they teach. That's what they teach. And that's and that's salvation. Believe in Jesus and be good. But but primarily that the whole point is is that the reason Jesus came, the reason God came down, the reason why he did all this was so that you could learn how to manifest and have your kingdom, your empire, your wealth, and all of your power and abilities here on earth. Jesus came to establish a kingdom on earth. God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, rich, and powerful, to have your best life now, and that Jesus died on the cross, you could get a new Mercedes. It's all about this, that the reason Jesus says the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head, what he's talking about is, the, is, is his power, was it was all of his wealth. He had so much wealth, he just didn't know where to put it. That's what Benny Hinn says. That's what Ken Copeland says. Uh, that's not what Jesus meant. And that, that, uh, that God wants you to learn how to be a God and like, it, like him, that you can be equal to Jesus. That's what Kenneth Copeland says. When I read the Bible and I see where God says I am, I just smile and say I am too. That's what Kenneth Copeland says. And that's what all these other prosperity gospel preachers also say, that you can be a God just like God. And that, that because you see that everything begets after its kind, the cow begets cow kind, the dog begets dog kind, that God begets God kind. They literally teach that. God begets God kind. Or that when you believe in him, he turns you into a God. That's, they teach that. Now, what is this cult of self? This is literally, literally what Satan said in the Garden of Eden. Ye can be as God. You can save yourself. You can atone for yourself. You have power. You have righteousness and ability and goodness in you equal to that of the work of Jesus Christ. You can bring to the table your abilities, your power with Jesus, and both of you together can rot your salvation. Folks, This begs a question. How? How? Can people wind up believing all of this nonsense? You see, the devil doesn't care. The devil doesn't care if you read your Bible. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you go to church. Couldn't care less. The devil doesn't even care if you pray. So long as you don't take it seriously. So as long as you don't apply the Bible to your life. As long as you don't take it seriously. As long as you don't study the Bible. Because every single thing, and they had a vision, and they had a vision, and an angel came, and they had a thought, and this and that, they heard voices or whatever, they had a dream. They have an opinion, they have a feeling, they have a doctrine, they have an ideology. How can we know what is truth? 
You see, this is what the atheist finds so comical, because there are so many different variants of Christianity. Quotation marks. Christianity. Some people ask, why do you say quotation marks when you do that? Well, because these videos go up as podcasts, and people are listening and not seeing, so... When I say like Christianity, and I don't mean actual born again Christianity, I mean like in a generic sense. I say that so they know I'm 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 saying this uh, mockingly. It's uh, so quotation marks Christianity. But the atheist sees all this Christianity and and sees it all as comical because you none of you know what you believe. It's all schismatic, and they think think that we're all nuts because we don't even know what we believe that there is no established truth. Well, see, the established truth is not tradition or orthodox, is not denomination. It's what the Bible flat out says in and of itself. Your opinions, traditions, your orthodoxy, your practices, your personal beliefs, it's all irrelevant. What this book says is the only thing relevant. Not other books, councils, creeds, commentaries, whatever else. Not visions, dreams, experiences, nothing else. It doesn't matter how long and uh, uh, you can trace back your traditions and practices. That's irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This book here, right here, is the only thing that matters. Not not apocryphal texts, not other creeds, not, not other writings. This book in and of itself. The Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, this is it. That's all there is. The 66 books of the Bible is the only thing. Well, man established the 66 books. No, no, no. The Catholic Church did that. The Catholic Church didn't know what was scripture and had to figure it out. So they went through everything and decided on their canon for their religion, which they also included the apocryphal text because they couldn't tell the difference of what is truly of God and what is not. So that's why you got the book of Thomas, which teaches Luciferian Gnosticism, that Jesus actually was evil. The book of Judas Iscariot, where he's actually a special secret saint agent of Jesus who helped Jesus in his mission, and none of the other disciples knew it. Judas did not actually get possessed by the devil, was a secret disciple of Jesus. You got the book of Mary, which teaches Mary worship, Mary veneration, all of that. You got the book of Tobit, the book of Maccabees, the book of Bob, all thrown in there because they didn't know what was scripture. The Catholic Church canonized their bible but the true born again christians have always been here we've always been around we've, we've always had our scriptures we've always had that the 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 epistles that the gospels that the scriptures as handed down preserved by god it did not get lost it did not get all messed up and have to be established and figured out and investigated to see what was that never happened god preserves his word into all generations his word is above his very name he keeps it for his servants and he hands it down preserves it we've had it all all this time and cults have always been cults are always are, have been created by the devil to deceive the and spread lies and deceive the hearts of the simple to try to fool people to corrupt the church to corrupt christians to fight against us the catholic church butchered and slaughtered and persecuted born-again christians teaching that you're not allowed to even read the bible if you're not a priest and you read the bible burned at the stake, tortured and burned at the stake. If you quoted scripture without your priest's consent, and especially if you quoted scripture other than in holy sacred Latin, you were burned at the stake. 
Only the special sacred priests could read the Bible and they would tell you what to believe because they would tell you if you tried to read the Bible yourself, you'd go all crazy. The born-again Christians have always been here, have always been around. Salvation has always been by grace through faith, by belief alone in the Lord God, Jesus Christ alone. Roman Catholicism is a cult. Orthodoxy is a cult. And they're created by, uh, by cultic, pagan, godless individuals teaching lies and hypocrisies, doctrines of devils to deceive people, being used and abused by the enemy. But born-again Christians have always been around, have always been along, and, and that we will always remain. Our generation of the, of the church will always be established, and we cannot be destroyed. The word of God cannot be lost, cannot be corrupted, will not, will not be changed, and it's established by God. And we have the born-again Christians, the, the martyrs of the true born-again church to thank for this. And then we see individuals like Augustine and Polycarp, Roman Catholics. Uh, that that uh, uh, did some uh, powerful writings, but not born-again Christian writings. If you take a look at what they're about, what they actually promote by way of salvation, by way of gospel, uh, by way of, of what, the what the Bible actually says, they corrupt that. They teach a works-based system. They point you back to Rome, not to the Bible. They point you to Catholicism, not the Bible. They cherry pick and rip off and twist scripture for their own benefit, for their own satiation, for their own religion. You can't go by commentaries, creeds, and catechisms and councils. You can't go by any of that. You're sure they may seem like a Christian. They may talk good, be good, be warm and, and friendly and kind and thoughtful, knowledgeable. They could quote scripture that doesn't make them a Christian. Doesn't. They could have visions and dreams and, and all this stuff and do all kinds of wonderful things that doesn't make them a Christian. What is a born-again Christian? A born-again Christian, according to the Word of God and the Word of God alone, is an individual who believes in the Lord God, Jesus Christ, by grace through faith, but belief alone. That's simple. No traditions, no orthodoxy, nothing else. No other books, no other practices, no other tenets, nothing but this, this book. You don't need robes, you don't need fancy collars, you don't need incense and candles, you don't need buildings and pews, you don't need saints and angels, you just need the Lord God, Jesus Christ, His work, and salvation is by grace, through faith, by belief alone. Grace, the unmerited favor of God, by faith, believing trust. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. But the devil's like, nah, no. Because are you then saying all these others are wrong? Yes, yes, I am. Bigot. And the world starts throwing and, and hurling slurs and all kinds of things at you, saying how you're wrong and everything. You don't know what you're talking. About. You just don't understand Catholicism. You just don't understand this. You just don't. You just don't understand. No, I understand this, and I understand that you contradict this. The moment you reduce the sovereignty of Jesus, the moment you need to help him in any way, shape, or form to save you, you've created a cult and you've created a false Christ and you're teaching false doctrines and thus, by definition, you're a false prophet. So, who declares war on the false prophets? Not me. <laughs> I don't declare war at all. 
I'm not declaring anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, risen again. God declares war on the false prophets. How? By the preaching of truth. The message of reconciliation. How to be reconciled to God. We preach the truth, we hold to the truth, and we need nothing else but the truth. For Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. We don't need visions, dreams, experiences. We don't, we don't need popes, priests, kings, saints, and angels. We don't need any of that. What we need is Jesus Christ according to the word of God. We need doctrine according to the word of God. Not doctrine according to tradition and catechism. Doctrine according to scripture and scripture alone. You see, so many people say, oh, we hold to the Bible as the only authority. But if you don't hold to this person and this person and these books and this practice and this tradition, then you're not a Christian. <laughs> All I need is the 66 books of the Bible. That's what's preserved by God, nothing else. God speaks through his word, by his spirit, through his word, by belief in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else. I don't need anything else. So we need to educate ourselves. We need to educate ourselves. Take a look at what they say about Jesus. What they say about salvation. Now, I have a couple points that I use when I'm talking to people. That I, I, I go by this system every time to see where they are on the spectrum of religion. Are they a true born-again Christian or not? It's a very fine line. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh? You wouldn't believe what happens when you ask that one. Oh my goodness. I've had everything from people just outrageous. Nope. To absolute full on demonic manifestations. People just lose their ever-loving minds. Start screaming and frothing and spitting and cursing. They're just asking that question. I actually, uh, years ago, went, went on a live stream. There is these, I remember this. There is two people, these two young, young folk. And they're uh, sitting there. And they were calling themselves prophets. They're sitting there jabbering away in charismatic tongues, talking about sowing seeds of money and God will give you great increase. God wants you to be blessed and you're, everything's going to go great and wonderful. And you're living in a house of tulips or whatever. I don't know. They're going on that kind of nonsense. And I, I, I joined the feed and in the comments, I just asked them one question. I said, I just wonder if I can ask you a question. They said, sure. I said, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh? They both looked like they swallowed their tongues. They looked, shock went across their face. They started cursing me, calling me a false prophet, a devil worshiper. They started cursing me and everything else, all kinds of foul things in me, and then blocked me. What does the Bible say? The Bible says Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. Anyone who doesn't believe that is of the devil. Ask them that question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh? 
Secondly, you want to ask the individual, do you believe that salvation is by grace through faith by belief alone? Period. Not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law, not by baptism, not by commandment keeping, not by law keeping. But by grace through faith by belief alone, period. Do you believe that? That question too will cause people to lose their ever-loving minds. There's a third question. Because you will come across individuals who will say they believe that Jesus is God. They will say they believe in salvation by grace alone. But then you need to ask them a clarifier because individuals who say they believe those things don't actually, but are themselves either severely confused or they're lying to you. Well, you want to ask them as a third question. Do you believe that salvation is permanent? Do you believe that salvation could be lost, taken away, or recanted? Because according to the word of God, what does it teach? Once saved, always saved. That will make them also lose their ever-loving minds. I've had everything from being called the Antichrist, to false prophet, to a devil worshiper, to an Illuminati member. Go figure that one. I've been called an Illuminati. I've been called everything. I've been called a foul false prophet all because i teach salvation is permanent they don't just don't understand grace so you want to ask them three questions do you believe that jesus is the christ the mighty god manifested in the flesh do you believe that salvation is by grace through faith by belief alone and do you believe that salvation is permanent once saved always saved those three questions will clear the air and we'll show you where people actually stand on things. And we'll show you who's a true born-again Christian. Because if you do not believe in these, these three points, if you do not believe in these three points, you are not a Christian. No matter what you say, no matter what you attest, no matter how you fight and argue that one, if you deny any of these three points, you are not a born-again Christian. Because the Word of God flat out teaches, Jesus is God Almighty. Salvation is by grace through faith. And that salvation cannot be lost, taken away, or recanted. Because it's not by works to keep it. That if it could be lost, taken away, or recanted, that denotes that it's by works to keep it. By works to earn it. By works to maintain. But it's by self-atonement. You have to do something. But the Bible says no. It's by grace, the unmerited favor of God. By believing trust are you saved. And not of yourselves not of works gift of god not a reward not by righteous works but by the washing of regeneration renewing of the holy ghost not water but by spirit the spirit of god you're he baptized you with the holy ghost and with fire not water not by the works of the law but by the faith of jesus christ but it can be lost taken away recanted that means you have to do something to keep it do something to maintain it so something to think about Jesus says, and exactly, Olga, exactly uh, what we said there, that as Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's out of love. It's a want to, not a have to. 
that a true born again Christian will want to follow Christ, will want to, will will have that uh, as taught by the Spirit of God within us, that the instruction and the conviction, all these things, He will teach us the difference in the holy and the profane. He'll show us righteousness. He'll, he'll teach us uh, uh, by the Word of God how to abstain from unrighteousness. He will give us that desire uh, to to love righteousness and hate iniquity. It just naturally flows out of you, the springs of living water. I don't have to maintain anything. He is there and he holds me and no man can pluck me out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. But cults, cults, false gospels, false, uh, gospels of self, cults of self, make it all about you. Make it all about you. You have, you keep, you do, you maintain, you you have power, you save, you forgive, you atone, you help Jesus. That his work alone is not enough, is not is not sufficient enough. You have to help him because he was insufficient. His blood isn't enough. Thanks, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. I'll take it from here. makes no sense cults of self you shall be as god knowing the difference in good and evil you have an innate righteousness that that if you if you maintain your sanctification you can earn your salvation you have if you're not keeping maintaining your sanctification you're not saved so works no 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 we're saved by grace but you just said but you just don't understand you know it just me here but i i've i've come to a point where the moment i hear someone say i don't care who they are what sect they are what their beliefs are i don't care the moment i hear someone say oh you just don't understand they're full of hogwash they that they're just completely deceived they don't know what they're talking about they're full of baloney i immediately discredit them i immediately lose all interest uh, and i couldn't care less what they have to say or believe the moment they say you just don't understand because according to scripture according to the word of god it is very easy to understand the Spirit of God gives us the understanding. He will teach you all things and cause you to be in remembrance of everything I have told you. God is not the author of confusion. What it says is what it means. I don't have to worry about anything else. What it says is what it means about Jesus and salvation and the gospel and the cross and the resurrection and the sin and all this. And it's easy to understand. I just got to search it, read it, and believe it, what it says. But at the moment someone says, you just don't understand it. Uh, you're confusing it. That's why I don't understand it, because you're confusing it. You're complicating it. You're complicating it. It's not complicated. It's the simple salvation of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. What's complicated about that? He saves by grace. What's confusing about that? By believing faith. 
How's that confusing? He died on the cross for my sins. How's that confusing? He so loved the world. How's that confusing? His atonement for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world. How's that confusing? He was buried for three days. How's that confusing? He rose again the third day according to the scriptures, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His days are prolonged. How's that confusing? That's what it says. Anyone trying to complicate the simplicity of the word of God doesn't know what it says themselves and is trying to teach you something else. Run. Flee. The Bible says, if any come unto you and bring not this doctrine of this book, not the doctrine of traditionalism, not the doctrine of denominationalism, not the doctrine of self-interpretation, the doctrine according to the word of God, according to the book, the book. There's only one book according to this. If they bring not this doctrine, leave them, mark them, avoid them, they're heretics. That's what it says. So how to tell who's a false teacher? Well, you gotta know the Bible. How do I do that? Like the Bereans. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. And everything else anyone else will say. Yeah, but you know, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Nope. Nope. What does the Bible say? Your answer for everything. Your response in every way. Thus saith the Lord. It is written. Scripture says. Scripture says, yeah, well, uh, the, the catechism says, yeah, but Augustine says, yeah, but John Calvin says, yeah, but the Pope says, yeah, but Joseph Smith says, yeah, but Ellen White says, yeah, but this says, yeah, but that book, this writing over here, this thing. But the Bible says, well, you just don't understand it. But the Bible says, Scripture says, that's all that matters. Ignore everything else. Nothing else matters. But are you going against the fathers of the Reformation? <laughs> if they're going against the word of God, then yes. But you think yourself special. No, I think the Bible is special. I think the word of God is so special, we ought not to monkey with it. And in fact, if you're monkeying with it, if you're changing the meanings of the words, if you're twisting the passages, if you're cherry picking the, the, the verses, then you're in danger. You're on serious, serious, dangerous ground. Because that's what cults do. Cults redefine the words. Cults redefine the passages. Cults omit and add to the word of God. Cults say the scripture is not, not sufficient enough alone. You got to have other sources to tell you what it means. Cults bring yourself, your goodness, your righteousness, your abilities in addition to Jesus. Cults play with and monkey with. Because that's because that, uh, as we see by one great quote, the only people who want to change the gospel are those who are unchanged by it. Leonard Ravenhill. The only people who want to change the gospel are those who are unchanged by it. People get mad at me. And one of my favorite lines uh, for one of my favorite old movies, uh, uh, Robin Hood with uh, Errol Flynn. It's a 1950s old black and white. I think you can get a color version of it. I've, I think I've seen the, the color version of it. But <laughs> Robin Hood is sitting down there and 
and uh, he's speaking against uh, Prince John all them and Marion speaks of why you speak treason he says fluently <laughs> so the cults and all this get mad at me you're speaking treason you're speaking it uh, uh, against us fluently <laughs> so we need to be careful there's a lot of the hiss of the serpent out there the hiss of false doctrine where the devil works as a snake it works as that dragon the father of lies and he slithers in and he gets in in many ways through a window through a door through a crack in the wall through a hole in the floor he'll find a way he tries to find a way and the only way we can keep him at bay is saying thus saith the lord and we don't water down the word of god we do not compromise we stand gently dogmatic on what the word of god flat out says and if someone has a problem with that then they got a problem with god not you they have a problem with jesus christ not you they have a problem with the word of god not you because the word of god is speaking against them and is revealing the issues that they have of their errors and heresies against the word of god their devils are getting all stirred up and angry because you've found them out. So fight against the enemy by speaking the truth. There is only one way, one truth, one life, and the way is narrow and few there be that find it. And if someone goes against what it says, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what their arguments are. It doesn't matter how orthodox sounding they are because heretics love to use orthodox language. I say orthodox meaning by the old way. The old way. There's the orthodox denomination. And then there's but the word, the term orthodox. It just means the old way. Like this the bible they love to use orthodox language to to veil and hide their heresy so you need to double check triple check everything cross reference to see what what's going on because only the word of god will reveal truth and expose lies and heresy and error only scripture not catechism, creed, council, not any other thing. Not tradition, not feeling, visions, dreams, not anything else. Scripture, scripture alone. What it says, what it means, and if they don't like that, then they're wrong. Any opinion, doctrine, teaching, ideology that even remotely contradicts the word of God is wrong. The word of God is true. You can call that strict. You can call that legalistic all you want. You can call that pharisaical. You can call that whatever name you want. I don't really care. But in you so saying that, you're just proving you're a heretic. And it's not the it's not the gospel according to Brother Matthew. It's the gospel according to Scripture. It's what the Bible says. And I will die on this hill. All right. And so that's all I got. Any other comments, questions, issues, insights, anything else at all you'd like to add to this? Um, please go ahead. Ask away. I'd be glad to hear from you. Okay. So I asked a couple questions here. A couple things I said at the very beginning. Bring your Bibles or stepping on toes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, years and years and years ago, 
um, when my my dad got born again saved uh, shortly after we, uh, he went to Bible school and there was a church that we were going to uh, we were going to the, that Bible school there I don't remember this but my dad remembers it that the pastor of the church one day came into came into church wearing his nice suit but he's wearing uh, big steel toe work boots and he went up into the pulpit and he says you better pull your toes under because I'm stepping on toes today <laughs> wearing his big work boots in the pulpit yeah, sometimes we got to do that sometimes we got to do that so i asked the question what is a cult that you run into all the time and have you tried to witness to other religions and cults all right so jacqueline says i have one in my family uh israel of god yes i've tried to share the gospel with him he is set on keeping the law and they're the true jews and shake my head they are blinded to the truth yeah, they try to keep the law. Well, that just goes to show he doesn't understand the law. That's what the entire book of Galatians is all about. But in so doing, if I could ask a question, I, I hope you're still in the in the in the broadcast here, Jacqueline. If I could ask you a question. Um often you'll find that individuals that are like that in the Israel of God, the Black Hebrew Israelites, or any of those other weird sects and religions like that those hyper law keeping sects uh often you'll find that they absolutely hate the apostle paul and they'll deny the apostle paul as an apostle and in so doing they'll say that the letters of paul in the bible are invalid am i correct in saying that this one in your family of the israel of god cult that it, this he also says is believes this that uh, apostle paul is is wrong and that his letters are wrong has he said that All right, and okay, uh, Olga says that uh, she's tried to deal with works-based salvationist and New Agers. Yep, New Agers are, are what's also known as Gnostics. That there's an unknown uh, knowledge, unknown information that you can get to know is additional. It's out there that the Bible is not sufficient or not valid or whatever. It depends on the type of of stripe of New Age occult. Uh, but yeah, it's Gnosticism. Yeah. Okay, uh, Scarlet to Snow says that I've dealt with once saved, always saved deniers, works based salvationists. Um, yep, there's it's a lot. Okay, Olga says anyone who denies that Jesus is God does not have the Holy Spirit in him. That's right, not just that, but also denies that salvation is by grace and denies that salvation is permanent. All right, going down through. And purely says that she's still laughing at the Garden of Eden being in North America. <laughs> yeah. Joseph Smith, uh, he really pulled the wool over the people's eyes. Yeah, Joseph Smith said that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri. Yep. <laughs> That's so stupid. So stupid. Okay. Yeah. All right. My ears are going to explode. Make it stop. <laughs> yeah it's insane uh, but you know that's the thing though i've often commented on is it blows my mind at the kind of absolute idiocy that the devil can make people believe in and do i mean really 
rocks have magic mystical properties and you can contact tree spirits and you can tell the future through animal droppings called scatomancy scatomancy the the practice of divination through feces <laughs> not joking and if people believe it and practice it oh it, it's insane oh yeah it, it's 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 nuts Melissa says a little splash of crazy here a little splash of crazy there <laughs> yeah exactly it, it's insane uh yep yeah, okay let's go down through Yeah, and we were talking about Catholicism and what they say about Mary. And ju just like the cults, they have a different Jesus. They have a different Jesus. Now, I am absolutely against and I hate the Roman Catholic Jesus and the Roman Catholic Mary. Because those are not the people of the Bible. The biblical Jesus is not the Catholic Jesus. And the biblical Mary is not the Catholic Mary. You see, so many Christians freak out when you say something like that because they don't understand. They don't make that connection. They don't get that. It's a different Jesus. It's a different Mary. That the Peter of Catholicism is not the Peter of the Bible. It's a different Peter. But they get all offended. And Matt, how could you say that against Mary? Well, it's not Mary of the Bible. The Mary of the Bible would tell you to stop. And we see Jesus, even himself, shooting down Mary worship. Seriously. But they don't, they don't study their Bibles. They study the writings of the Pope and everything else. Yep. And again, how can people get into this kind of stuff? How can they fall into this? By not studying the Bible and the Bible alone. Again, cross-reference, cross-reference. Over 63,000 cross-references in the Bible. Have you done it all? Have you searched it all? Have you memorized it all? No? And keep at it. You don't need any other sources. Martha Ree says, what book can you recommend for church history? Well, see, therein is a massive problem. Because that which is taught as church history is taught either by the Roman Catholic Church or by some form of Roman Catholic corruption. There are many Christian, I say Christian as in Christian Christian, there are many Christian Bible schools whose, whose textbooks teach that at one point it was the Roman Catholic Church that was the true church and they, they just got corrupted and then we see that's why the Reformation had to happen. No. No. And that the true biblical church history of true born-again Christians has been actually destroyed by the Roman Catholic Church. That's why you can't really find anything, anything of born-again Christians during the, that period of the, of the, uh, of the uh, tyrannical reign of the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church killed and slaughtered and destroyed Christians and any born-again Christian material. 
They burned our Bibles. They burned our text. They burned everything. They destroyed everything. They slaughtered the Christians, tortured, ripped apart, and burned and and imprisoned and severely treated the born again Christians during the whole all that time. So there isn't really anything. But what we do know is that Catholicism is not, was not, never will be the true Church of God. It's a cult that was created in the 300s by Constantine. Orthodoxy uh, uh, this uh, broke off of Catholicism in the 11th century. So you can go back to a certain period of time, but after that, it's just, there's nothing you can find because Catholicism destroyed it. But we know by an absolute definitive, Catholicism is not of God, is not Christian. Never was, is not, never will be. So we know by the clear interprets the unclear. The clear interprets the unclear. Clearly we understand that Catholicism is not of God. So therefore is not our history other than they were our persecutors. They were, they were our enemy. Oh, and FYI, uh, FYI, um, a couple years ago, I was debating the gospel with some Roman Catholics, staunch Roman Catholics. And they told me that they wished the law was different because they, they said they wanted to burn me at the stake. They said they would absolutely without, without hesitation, burn me at the stake if the law would allow them. Beautiful religion of peace. Is it not? Okay. Okay, Purely says, he, uh, uh, just reminded me of a time I was explaining that uh, that this person was not to pray to Mary, and she got so mad at me right there in the garden shop. Lady at the garden shop, I was, uh, I was loving on with the truth of Mary not being divine. Never seen a woman break out into a mean sweat so fast. She was absolutely fuming. Yeah, yeah, because you went against her god. Sorry, goddess. Because Mary is a goddess, according to Roman Catholicism. Okay, going down through. Olga says, if we ever have a vision, how do we test the spirits? Okay, you want to break it down to a couple points. Number one, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Every single thing that you see, all the detail, must be held accountable to the word of God, must be tested. Like people say they saw a long-haired white white boy Jesus with nail scars in his wrist. Oh, that's not Jesus, according to the Bible. Or what do you hear? Every word, everything that's being said, must be held accountable to the word of God. And if it contradicts the teachings of scripture, not of God. Plus also very simply, very, very simply, um, there's a very quick, like instantaneous test. Just like that, that fast. You can know if it's of God or not. Uh, if it's of God, you will know 100% right off the bat, because if you have to even ask the question, I wonder if wasn't of God. If you're, if it happens and you're left kind of, I wonder what that was about. Not of God. God is not the author of confusion. 
when he speaks, he speaks clearly and there's no question. And it's 100% purely in line with the word of God without question. So, yeah. All right. And uh, Olga says, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. Because you look at that in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in the name? Have we not prophesied in the name? Have we not cast out devils in the name? But I will say unto them, I never knew you. Again, you look at they're saying, they're saying, Lord, Lord, but he says, I don't know you. Because why? What did we establish before? Different Jesuses. What were they depending on as, as validation of their salvation? Works. Nowhere do they say, have we not believed in thy name? Works-based salvationists. All right. Okay. Ebenezer has a question. If faith alone, as we see by salvation is by grace through faith, if faith alone applied to Old Testament, what was the purpose of Jesus dying? We see as God promised that, that uh, how he would come and uh, what was the purpose of this? As John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God which will take away the sin of the world. What did Jesus say at the Last Supper? This is the new covenant in my blood. You see, the covenant before was by the was by the shedding of the blood of the lamb of sacrifice. Jesus has come so, so as a one-time atonement for sin, and not as, not for lambs which need to be uh, sacrificed multiple times. A continual atonement, the continual atonement by the blood of bulls and of goats and lambs, a constant, constant shedding of blood, but by the by the one-time shedding of blood of the Lamb of God. You see, the the covenant was changed in the blood. The only thing that was changed was the covenant of blood. The covenant of blood. That uh, we see the blood was of the of the lambs, of the animals, and then we see Jesus as the Lamb of God gave himself, shed his blood and died, buried, rose again, and by the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are saved. Our sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ, not by the blood of bulls and of goats. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is all about as explaining this one in the Old Testament they were saved by faith and by grace in the Lord God of Israel for example we take a look at Nebuchadnezzar he got born again saved he got he got saved and he wrote Daniel chapter 4 a servant of the Lord a believer in the Lord God of Israel he didn't have to become a good Jew and keep all the laws and stuff he was saved by grace through faith we see the 120,000 Gentile Ninevites got saved by the preaching of Jonah. They repented and believed in the truth, and they were saved by belief. But the high priest, the high priest would go once a year with the shed blood uh, to atone for all the sins of the people. Once a year. A one-time atonement, once a year, by the high priest. He would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for the sins of all the, all the people, all the people that believed. But Jesus, as our high priest, enter, entered into the glory and by his blood atoned for the sins of all people for all time. A one-time atonement by the blood of Jesus Christ. No, it wasn't needed as a continual. So they're saved by faith, by grace, by belief. In the Old Testament, just as we. The only difference is the covenant of blood. All right, so uh, if you have any other comments, questions, issues, insights, please go ahead and ask away. I'd be glad to hear from you. This has been a long one, two hours, 46 minutes. So 
I'm starting to get winded. We're going to have to wrap this up shortly. So I hope this has been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. I hope you've learned lots. Please rewatch this, share this around, give this some thought. And yeah, um, other things to, uh, I just want to bring up, you know, uh, it's not so much as a cult by way of, um, it's not, not, not a cult by way of false gospels, but there are cult ideologies that some born-again Christians, some professed Christians can get kind of caught up in. Now, one thing, like, for example, we see is the, uh, it's it's called the sacred name theology. This is something that I find really annoying, and I just don't understand it. I just really, really, really honestly don't understand this weird ideology. Uh, there are people out there who say that the name of Jesus is wrong. Uh, the name of Jesus is wrong. You shouldn't be saying Jesus because there was no J in original Hebrew. And then, you know, my face when someone tells me the name Jesus is wrong, but there's like 30 different Y variations they can't even agree on. It's Yahuwah, it's Yehoah, Yahawashi, Yahuwah, blah, 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 blah. They can't agree on. They have all so many different... Um, okay, this whole thing, because they believe that that saying the Hebrew name of God is more sacred, has more power, more ability, and that you're, it, it's more holy and sacred if you say the Hebrew names. You realize that's Roman Catholic logic, right? You realize that's, that's Catholicism. It's called the sacred name theology. Um... But uh, we take a look at this, uh, like the Roman Catholics said that you can't read the Bible in anything but holy, sacred Latin or Hebrew, because that's the true languages and that gets you closer to God. If you say in English, that's blasphemy. And they would burn people at the stake for saying the Bible in English or any other language other than Latin or Hebrew. Um, you realize Jesus, the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, -S, is a masculine given name derived from IESVS in classical Latin or Iesus I-E-S-O-U-S in the Greek Iesus and pronounced in English as Jesus the Greek form of the Hebrew Aramaic name Yeshua or Yeshua Yeshua has its roots in the name Yeshua. Yeshua is an es es etymologically related to another biblical name, Joshua. But in the Greek, it's translated as Isis, as the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. New Testament was written in Greek. New Testament was written in Greek. And his name was written as Isis, and translated to English is Jesus. It makes absolutely not one single bit of difference whatsoever what language it's in. It's like, you can't say my name in any other dialect on earth because only the English pronunciation is true. But we're in Chinese, my name is Matai. Uh, or, or you look at any other language, how you pronounce my name. How would you pronounce my name in Hebrew? How would you pronounce my name in Latin? How would you pronounce my name in Russian or German? It's like pronouncing my name in another language, which 
makes not one bit of difference. But you see, God is the God of all languages on the earth. What makes you think one language is more sacred and special than the other? That's Roman Catholic thinking, Roman Catholic logic to think that one language is more mystical and sacred than another. That's nonsense. That's cult. But if you just choose because you want to say another language, okay, fine, but it's unnecessary. You don't need to do that. You don't have to do that. But teaching that you have to because the other other is wrong, that, that's, that's Roman Catholic logic. And I don't care about any of your arguments. That's Roman Catholic logic. That's the same as saying the Bible has to be in holy, sacred Latin. That's called the sacred name theology, which is a cult tradition. So, yeah. His name is Jesus. The Bible says it's Jesus. That's the English translation. So you're saying that the English language is evil, wicked, not not good enough to say scripture, yet you can't say Bible in English? Yeah. That's no different than Roman Catholicism during the Dark Ages. That's illogical, nonsensical, superstitious, mystic nonsense. Just saying. Just saying. Because Old Testament is written in Hebrew, New Testament is written in Greek, and it's translated into English. So this is what it is in English. And, and to God, it makes not one single bit of difference because he's the God of all languages on the earth. Are you saying he made a mistake when he created the languages of the earth? Well, if, if by that logic, then you're not allowed to say any scripture whatsoever unless it's in it's in the original Hebrew, not not modern Hebrew, which is not the original Hebrew. You need to go back to the ancient dialect of what Hebrew was 2000 years ago. Mic drop. okay so with that um people will have all different opinions and beliefs different practices different arguments but it must be based on logic biblical logic biblical logic not logic of tradition and thinking and feeling and opinion biblical logic you can get all mad at me and you can downvote my videos all you want and throw your temper tantrums and all this stuff. People, oh, by the way, you know YouTube has disabled viewing of, uh, of video thumbs up, thumbs down. So you can't see how many people like or dislike things. You have to get an actual special uh, uh, YouTube add-on extension to be able to see the, the ratings. Uh, just FYI, my videos have been getting downvoted a lot lately. People have been getting really upset, but you can't see that because you can't see the, the, the ratings counter. People are getting mad lately and downvoting a lot. Like, for example, my dad's Sunday message from last Sunday, this past last Sunday, uh, uh, what kind of belief that video has been downvoted to 75% and all he preached on was salvation by grace alone. That's all he preached on in that video, a 25 minute video on, on, on it's Christ alone. It's nothing else. Jesus alone, nothing else. And that video got downvoted to 75%. People are getting mad. You can get mad, downvote all you want, but, it, but your logic is unsound. If it contradicts the logic of the Bible, we need to be logical. Facts don't care about your feelings. 
you feelings should be all about mystic whatever i don't care your sacred holy oils and sacred name theology and all the tra tra traditions and beads and smoke and incense and mirrors i couldn't care less about any of that all of that is nonsense to me it's pointless useless does nothing this is the only thing that matters true biblical historical fact facts and logic that's all that matters and it doesn't matter what language it's in it doesn't matter what color you are what language you are what location you are man or woman boy or girl doesn't matter it's the same gospel same word same god same faith same cross it's the same thing it applies to all it doesn't matter what language you are you don't have to learn some other special sacred language to understand the bible translate the bible into your native language there you go boom done that and you have it what it says what it means from the original old testament and the new testament what it says what it means and you speak it in their language you don't have to learn ancient old english you don't need to learn german or russian or french or chinese or spanish what it says what it means read it in your language there it is jesus is the christ the mighty god manifested in the flesh and he says by grace through faith by belief alone and his name is jesus the name above all names at whose name every knee will bow for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. And to say that that name is wrong is blasphemy. You want to get me stirred up? Start going on about that nonsense. So yeah, I can't stand it when people go against the name of Jesus. And they go against it against it them they say the bible's full of contradictions and they bring in other traditions and nonsense and practices and mysticism and gnosticism and it just drives me nuts complicating the simplicity of the beauty of jesus christ the beauty of his simplicity the beauty of his grace it's but by belief alone by faith alone in him and his work what he's done it doesn't matter who you are where you are what you are it's so simple it's so simple a child can understand it pick it up read it what it says what it means it's so simple but the cults complicate the cults complicate they bring they add and subtract from the truth but god said don't you do that and warnings that if you change it, you're accursed of God. But the cults don't care. Because Satan does not care. Lucifer does not care. That serpent does not care. That dragon, that father of lies, that deceiver, the enemy of God, the enemy of our souls, doesn't care one bit about the simplicity of Christ. He doesn't care about Christ. He doesn't care about the cross. He doesn't care about what the Lord has said. He doesn't care about the word of God. He wants to destroy it. He wants to confuse it. He wants to frustrate the gospel of grace, as Paul says. Frustrate the gospel. That's what cults do. If you feel frustrated, you've complicated it. If you're confused, you're complicating it. It's simple. It's so, so simple salvation by grace through faith in the lord god jesus christ alone there you go god declares war on the false prophets on the false christs he will fight against them he will destroy them and all who preach the lies 
will be cast into the lake of fire in all of the wrath of God. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your time is coming short. If you are fighting against this, you are opposing this, you're resisting this truth of this gospel, of this doctrine, you're going to meet nothing but the wrath of God. He fights against you, not I. I don't declare war. He does. He already has. And FYI, he's already won. I've read the back of the book. We win. Sorry, though. Give that some thought. Hope this is a help. And again, check everything. Test everything to the word of God. What it says, what it means. What it says, do the word studies. Old Testament, Hebrew, New Testament, Greek. And you, and you could do the studies. It's like I showed you. Like, for example, John 8, 24. Jesus says, I am. What does that mean in the Koine Greek? That means ego emi, the always existing one. That's the name of Almighty God. Jesus says, if you don't believe that I'm the Almighty God, you will die in your sins. That's what he means by that. Do the word studies. Read the context. Back up. Search the scriptures. Work uh, the words with the words. Scripture with scripture. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Do the work. Do the due diligence. Be like the Bereans. Hold to the word of God. Nothing else. Don't complicate it. Don't frustrate it. Don't confuse it. It's simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Preach it in its simplicity. Everything else is a lie. Everything else is a lie. There is no truth, no salvation in any other way. Don't give it the time of day other than to tell it the truth. Other than to tell those people the truth because they need to be saved. They need to be shown how they've been lied to. They've been lied to. They've been abused and misused. They've been led astray. We need to show them the truth. Pray for their souls. The Lord wants them to be saved too. He's not willing that any should perish. So tell them the truth. The Lord God, Jesus Christ, his salvation by grace, his cross, his blood, his work, his atonement, his righteousness, what the word of God says, nothing else, nothing else matters. Everything else is irrelevant. Scripture, scripture alone. There you go. So with that, before I start ranting again, we got to wrap this up. So thank you so much for joining in. This has been a great one. I've had a lot of fun here today. I am really winded. I am really tired. So... <laughs> I uh, hope this all makes sense. Clear as mud. So there you go. Uh, so uh, please make sure you check out our other uh, playlists. We got tons of other links, tons of other goodies. Uh, we have a playlist called What They Actually Believe. And in that playlist, we have tons of other belief systems and religions and practices and stuff and all different kinds of stuff. And about uh, their actual beliefs, their doctrines from other religions to even people, individuals like Oprah, for example, and how she's an absolute blasphemous heretic, and um, what she actually says what she believes. Um, she's a Gnostic New Ager, calls herself a Baptist or something like that, but she's actually a Gnostic New Ager. Bunch of nonsense. Uh, and yeah, so there's tons of other stuff in there, so please make sure you check that out, and tons of other playlists, other, other interests and topics, and check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca got links to all their goodies and platforms got our free downloadable gospel track pdfs and a bunch of other goodies and stuff and links to our podcasts as well make sure you avail yourself to all of that and if you appreciate these studies please give us a like give us a thumbs up make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icon so you know so you know when we put up new videos and again check out all our other videos 
And if it's not too much to ask, we'd love it too if you could show your support by liking the videos. Though none of it is monetized, just to show your support because we have a downvote brigade. <laughs> a downvote brigade that's going along and downvoting a lot of our stuff here on YouTube and over on Reddit and everywhere else. So show your support by liking it. You don't have to, just it helps. Uh, because if it gets downvoted too much, it, it those videos no longer get promoted. Those videos no longer get uh, uh, shown to anybody. Uh, because it, it, YouTube algorithm sees that as unfit, and so it won't even promote the videos. So uh, none of it's monetized, but it helps with the promotion of the videos, with the upvotes. So just saying. So with that, thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.